This episode of Local Runners Podcast is sponsored by BucketZone.com, where there are hundreds of athletic races listed each year in the UK. If you're an event organiser and would like to discover the benefits of listing your next race for entry, why not visit BucketZone.com to find out more or give them a call and mention the Local Runners Podcast. Listing is absolutely free and puts your race within the reach of over 200,000 registered UK athletes. To find your next race or to find out more about listing your event for entry, visit BucketZone.com. BucketZone.com. List, search and enter events online. Welcome to episode 30 of the Local Runners podcast, the podcast by runners for runners. We are your hosts, I'm Sean Warburton. I'm Dave Norman. I'm Katie Kay. And I'm Callum Parkinson. Over the last few episodes, we've had such variation of runners, which continues throughout this episode and will continue throughout other episodes as well. After we finished recording the last episode with Joe Edgerton, we talked about this and then we started to look at listening figures. We can't believe how many listens and downloads the episodes have had. So our most listened to episodes are, in reverse order, uh, Nigel Martin and then Sophie Wood, Johnny Meller climbing up and with Joe Bailey in second and then Callum Rowlinson in first. All the episodes are growing in listens and downloads and remember that without your support and input to the episodes, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be here recording. So make sure you get involved, even if that's just getting a question in or just passing the pod. So speaking of supporting, we've had a few people ask at local races about the Local Runners podcast merch. So you can get t-shirts, vests, hoodies and caps from Vinyl Bear website, which we share on our socials. And if you go to vinylbear.co.uk and click on clubs at the top, when you see the big list, find Local Runners podcast and get ordering. It's free delivery on orders over £50, so speak to your friends and get an order in together. When you buy some kit, it really helps to support the podcast. Okay, uh, and now on to an announcement which we're all very excited for. Uh, it's a park run takeover. So on the 28th of May, uh, we'll all be at the Alexandra Park uh, in Moss Side for the park run. Uh, we want to get as many listeners, previous guests as possible down to join us at the Alexandra Park run in Moss Side. Uh, after the park run, we'll be in the cafe uh, for chats and any questions you have for us uh, or even suggestions. So come and get involved. Make sure you get your local runners podcast t-shirts or vests on. Uh, and if you don't have one, get ordering. <laughs> okay so we've also got um, a race shout out so we we always ask local race organizers to get in touch and we're happy to give them a plug so it's a new event taking place it's the ultra loop which is based in heaton park the ultra loop is an inclusive and flexible ultra marathon event with an ultimate finishing distance of 50k i'm thinking michael harris for that potentially it's got his name written all over it or maybe even katie k i don't know <laughs> Um, it's a mixed terrain course. It combines roads and trails around a 5k loop. Um, so with eight hours to complete the event, you're welcome to choose a distance you'd like to run. So uh, from one to ten loops. So it's, um, it's something that could suit everybody really. So no matter how many loops you run, you receive a finishing time and a medal. So if you want to sign up, get over to the ultraloop.co.uk and use the discount code LOCALRUNNERS10 and get signed up for 10% off for Local Runners Podcast. Now on to the race review. So we had Wrexham Elite Marathon at the weekend, uh, last weekend actually, it feels um, more recent than that. Um, so we had really warm sunny conditions actually, albeit a little bit windy for runners, particularly in the sec- second half of the event. 
it's actually the second year of this race format taking place. Um, last year was in Cheshire, in Pulford, and the race was brought together for COVID reasons, really, to allow people to run a marathon last year. So it was good to see this race returning to the calendar again this year. So it's aimed at sub 240 men and sub 3 women, and this, of course, tra attracts some of the best runners in the country and some well-known paces as well. So we had Omar Ahmed, Phil Sessman, we also had local Wrexham man Matt Close helping with the pacing in a strong but relatively small field over both a half marathon and a full marathon distance. So it's seven laps. It's mainly flat rural roads, but it takes in a section of Wrexham Industrial Estate, which is just beautiful. <laughs> um, so athletes can uh, make use of tables as well. So it's an opportunity really for a rare opportunity for runners to almost set themselves up like an elite, elite math marathon runner, put your own drinks on the tables. And so I think that's what really attracts a lot of people to this race. So um, in terms of how the race went in the um, male field, we had in first place Hugh Armstronger of Bellina AC in 2.14.02. In second place, we had Callum Johnson of Gateshead Harriers in 2.17.42. And Callum actually pulled up about 400 metres from the finish, actually, with quite a bad stitch, it looked like. So he probably lost, maybe. He was probably on for 2.15 there, I think. Um, in third, we had John Gilbert, who's a vet 40 in 2.20.55 for Kent AC. And then I wanted to mention Russell Bentley as well in fourth. So this is Russell's first marathon in three years. He's been doing a lot of mountain running in the Snowdonia Mountains, come back to the road as a vet 40, and runs a PB of 2.22.31. So well, well done to Russ from Kent AC also. In terms of the female race, in first place, we had Chelsea Baker of Royal Navy AC in 2.46.57. Second place was Sarah Hunter of Ackworth Roadrunners in 2.20.52. And in third, we had Natalie Seymour of Thames Hare and Hounds in 2.54.26. <clears throat> Just sticking with the females in the half marathon, that was won by Fiona La Ross from Armar AC in 1.14.13. Closely followed by second place Molly Williams of Stockport Harriers in 1.14.19. And we're, we're hearing that name come up a lot recently and we'll... We'll hear it again tonight for some of the other races. In third place, we had Catherine Warriski of S City of Derry AC Spartans, about 35 in 116.05. And then just finishing off with the male field in the half marathon, first place was Jake O'Regan of St. John's AC in 104.56. Second place was Alistair Watson of Knott's AC in 105.46. And in third place, we had Joe Sagan. We've got Spembra and District AC, 106.10. So some really, really strong times there. And just a few special shouts as well. James Bartley of Stockport Harriers, 236.46. And it was good to chat to him at the finish line. He was well pleased with that. Um, Ashley Buckley of Salford Harriers, 238.01. And he sets off at, um, you know, we're a bit steady and negative split the race to run a really strong PB there for Ashley. And there's plenty more to come from him. And also wanted to give a shout to Martin Green of North Wales Roadrunners, Vet 45, running 2.31.19. He went a little bit quicker, Martin, but that was a great run, I think, on the day, with the wind we had in the second half. And, of course, I'm going to give myself a shout as well. We'll come to that <laughs> shortly. <laughs> and rightly so, sure. <laughs> so I, I ran 2.39.40, but we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that later. So that put me in 33rd and 4th Vet 45. So on to um, Mid Cheshire 5K, which was on Friday the 29th of April. Um, hardly any wind, really good temperature for racing a 5K. Um, greeted the runners when they arrived at Kingsley in Cheshire. 
the fast course lived up to its name with some fantastic times from all runners. Um, with seven seconds between first and seventh, it was a very close one. David De- um, David Devine, or I think that's right, of Liverpool Harriers, won in 14.19. Second was Cameron Bell of Hallamshire, Hallamshire Harriers in 14.20. Third was James Nocton of Trafford in 14.21, which was a chip time of 14.20. Um, and James has only just turned 17 as well. Um, first female over the line was Lily Partridge of Birchfield Harriers in 15.44. Amelia Sam- Samuels of Wolverhampton was second in 15.59. Third was, again, Molly Williams of Stockport in 1603, which is a fantastic run. Um, so local runners include, uh, from Bury Athletic, we had um, Jordan Herald in 1740, Rachel Marshall in 1938. Charlton runners, we had Paul Lancaster in 1747, Alistair Patrick in 1803. Um, East Cheshire Harriers, which I think were all PBs, were Gavin Brown, 1530, Liam Brown, 1606. Dan Armstrong, 1714. Strong run from Dan, uh, especially a couple of weeks after his marathon. Um, Alan Cook in 1740. Dan Kavner in 1747. Michelle Vaughan in 1837. And Kyle Clayton in 1912. For Hyde as we had Alex Stones in 1751, um, which was another PB, chatting to him at the end. Sale Harriers, we had Matthew Barnes in 1537, uh, Lucy Armitage in 1728, Salford Harriers, Joe Bailey in um, 1531, chatting to Joe at the beginning, he said, I think I'm in 1530 shape, so (laughs) uh, just a second out there, Joe. Um, And Sinead Bent in um, 1644, Um, Stockport Harriers, we've got Alec Francis in 1646, and Freya Murdoch, um, who also ran a British record for an under-15 girl in 1632. Um, really sorry I couldn't read everyone's everyone's times out, um, but well done to everyone, and I think there were a lot of PBs smashed there on Friday night in Kingsley. Okay, and on to Saturday the 30th of April, it was the cake race, organised by Saddleworth Runners, a 10-mile off-road route with apparently as much cake as you can eat at the end. <laughs> Not sure how I missed that one. <laughs> Um, but it was lovely warm conditions, made for a great day and some fantastic results. The first male finisher was Matthew Pearson in 108.13. In second place was a previous guest and local East Cheshire Harrier runner, Liam Brown, in 109.43. And in third place was Tom Jagger in 113.08. The first female finisher was Martha Tibbert, who had a cracking run, finishing in third place overall in 1.12.20 and steaming way ahead of the other female runners. And if I remember, I think Martha won the first stage of the Tour of Tameside um, last time. I think she's a tri-runner, so she's um, definitely one to watch. As I say, she was well ahead of the the rest of the the female runners. Um, But in second place, we had Ashley Greenwood in 1.23.35. And in third place was Nicola Walmsley in 1.29.09. And also a special mention to a couple of local runners who won the VET categories. So Jane Lawton of Stockport Harriers winning the VET 50 category and Fiona Dyson of Saddleworth Runners winning the VET 55 category. Stockport women also took the win for the overall women's team event and were seen taking away lots of crates of beer as the prizes. So it looks like a good one for future reference. Cake and beer, what's not to love? <laughs> 
Um, and there, also, there seemed to be a bit of a theme with cake this weekend as it was also the piece of cake 10k organised by Manchester front runners, a three lap undulating course around Boggart Hull Clough on, also on Saturday. So again, great conditions for runners with Michael O'Connor of Manchester YMCA Harriers taking the win in 34.04. In second place was Matthew Perry of Manchester Front Runners in 36.12. And in third place was Matthew Brennan of Presswich AC in 36.58. And again, a special shout out to local runners, Nathan Poulton of Hyde Village Striders, finishing sixth overall and first bet 45. And Gary Dale of Salford Harriers finishing in seventh place and was first V60. Um, and I think there was a bit of a battle between Nathan and Gary. Gary did message me to say he was he let Nathan win, um, letting the youngins get a bit of a look in. <laughs> so well done both Gary and Nathan. <coughs> um, Sarah Carroll of Salford Harriers was the first fa- female finisher in 40.06, with Rowena Leary of Saddleworth Runners coming in second place in a time of 43.05 and Alex Bucklet of Charlton Runners finishing in third with a time of 45.22. Okay, and moving on to the Alderley Edge Bypass 10K. Uh, this took place on Sunday, the 1st of May. Uh, the race was won by Ben Riddell of Salford Harriers in 31.31, uh, followed closely by his clubmate Carl Darcy, uh, who took second in 31.45. Uh, he was just ahead of Ed Flynn, who took third place in 31.49. The women's race was won by Ruth Jones of Salford Harriers, so a bit of a Salford clean sweeper again. Uh, 35.07 was Ruth's winning time. Uh, Becky Hansen of Dronfield took second place with a time of 36.57, followed by Joe Dawes of Trafford Athletic Club in 37.53. I should add that I actually took part in this event myself as one of the pacers. Uh, I was the 37.30 pacer. Uh, and as paces, we all had to run with a, a flag attached to our backs, which uh, looked like it was going to be really uncomfortable and a, and a real hindrance, but actually it wasn't too bad. Um, so I've only ever paced once before, and that was at the Manchester Half Marathon, which was a, a very flat course. Uh, but this, uh, this race on Sunday, it had long downhill sections and long uphill sections. Um, and I could see from a warm-up that the finish was a lot tougher than the start. Uh, we were just finishing into the wind and running uphill, so... I decided uh, and agreed with the other runners uh, at the start who were planning to follow me that we'd bank a bit of time in the first half. Um, so, yeah, it was a really enjoyable morning helping and encouraging runners around me. Um, and if you've never paced before, I'd really recommend um, um, volunteering to pace to anyone who hasn't tried it before. It's, uh, it just feels really rewarding. Um, so, yeah, so a shout out to a couple of listeners. Um, Steve Humphreys of Stockport Harriers. Um, he was returning from a, a long-term injury. Uh, he ran 37.57, um, kept me company for a, a little bit uh, during the run. Uh, and also Darren Smith of East Cheshire Harriers, uh, who ran 37.10 and finished fourth over 45. Um, another performance uh, I must note, and uh, apologies if I get her name wrong, um, it's Rachel... Sean, I'm sure you did a better job of me than <laughs> even this. <laughs> should, we try, should we give it a go? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> right, her name is Rachel Rosdestvenskaya. I think I got that right. Uh, of Sale Harriers, um, who we believe broke the world record uh, in the race for the fastest female pushing a buggy. Um, her time is yet to be verified, but uh, she crossed the line in 3923, um, which I believe was around about a minute inside the previous record. So that was a fantastic effort. So well done to Rachel as well. 
Um, and just want to add um, a, a, another performance of note down at the Cardiff 5K from um, a Salford Harrier, uh, Anna Bracegirdle. Um, she ran a fantastic PB of 16.09 uh, on Sunday at the Cardiff 5K. Um, and that continues a good run of form this year. She'd already ran PBs uh, over half marathon, uh, marathon and at 10K. So she's on a, in a real rich vein of form there. So well done, Anna. Brilliant. Okay, so now on to a bit of a discussion point. So while I was out on Sunday, um, running around and getting lost in Daisy Nook, I had a bit of an idea for a discussion point. So I, I was thinking about, with autumn marathons on the horizon, what will our plans look like? So I was starting to think that really I need to get my, my bumming gear and think about what my London Marathon plan might look like. Um, and I thought it might be of interest to listeners as well who might be planning... Um, kind of autumn marathons so I mean I'd be really interested to see what what you guys say but I think previously I've used um, a runner's world um, plan a 12-week plan Um, but I don't know if that's long enough I don't know if maybe I might be better with a 16-week plan Um, and I think I've used the a, a mix of the beginners and intermediate so I'm going to have a bit of a look at what's around, uh, but like I say, I'd be interested to take any kind of tips and feedback um, in terms of what I should look at this time. I think I'm going to try and aim for a 3.30 plan, I think. Hopefully that's not too optimistic. I did 3.35 in 2019 and then 3.35 again in the virtual marathon around Tameside running on my own. Um, obviously I run London last year but did 3.44 but with, that was what I didn't have any training or anything and I was taking camera uh, took my camera and was taking pictures and videos and things so hopefully I'd put it out there that I'm aiming for around a 3.30 but obviously that's a five minute PB so I'm not sure if that's realistic but that's what I'll go for um, so I think I'll look at a 16 week plan this time and again I've always just focused on volume really trying to to get the long mileage people have always told me it's all about time on your feet but listening to some other guests and Sean talking recently a lot of people have said it's it's really important to focus on um, getting in 10k shape um, and focusing a bit on speed and as I've always said I'm a bit of a plodder I, I just run at one speed so I am thinking that maybe I need to kind of put in some speed sessions and do something a bit different so um yeah, I think I'm going to look at pulling a maybe a 16-week plan together. I've got a two-week holiday as well in August, so I need to take that into into account as well. Um, but yeah, be keen to see what everybody else says. So, Sean, any tips? Yeah, I might do. You got that two weeks, um, just downtime. A lot of marathon plans, yeah. especially 16-week ones, tend to have a deliberate um, recovery week or two in there, right. just to allow your body to absorb the training. But um, this, the, the recent block I just went through was about 12 weeks um, and obviously the result I got in the end was, was what I wanted but I've definitely taken something from recent guests about getting in 10k shape um, so I'll certainly be looking to do a, probably a bit more of a 10k focused marathon block with um, you know the long runs in there but rather than just long runs I'm going to introduce more marathon sessions so marathon sessions I think the one that stood out to me has been the, the one that did the most value off, or, or I found I got the most out of was four times 5k right. um, with a mile float in between um, 
Because that's great, because you're getting a good session in, but you're not burying yourself. What's that mean, a float in between? So basically, you're just doing... um, you, you do two miles warm-up and run 5K at marathon pace right. and run a mile, uh, maybe a mile slower than marathon pace right. then another 5K at marathon pace. Obviously, they get progressively harder. Yeah. But it's um, it makes your, run, your long run go really quickly. So you're doing a tw- 19, 20-mile run and you're getting a really good session mm-hmm. in as well. So I did two of those. Um, one was one was slower than marathon pace as well, but one I did with Ashley... Um, at marathon pace so I'll be definitely doing more, a lot more of that because I've definitely found that's much more beneficial than just doing a long run I actually dropped the 20 mile races as well I felt the 20 mile races were just taking too much out of me and mm-hmm. um, so again listening to um, Johnny when we had him on and I asked him what his favorite session one is and he said the half mar- half marathon at marathon pace yeah. about two, two or three weeks before just to honing on that so that's certainly something I'm going to do at Great North I think um, when we go up I'll race Antrim but I'll do the Great North at Marathon Pace so quite a few changes I'm going to make there really um, I tried to sneak in a few changes toward at the end of this block because I was listening to what people were saying and I kept quite a bit of intensity in my taper so whilst the volume went down mm. I carried on with the track work carried on with the tempos and I did the Salford 10k I just can't help thinking that made the first 10, 10k very very comfortable in the mm-hmm. marathon. Um, I was really struggled last year in the in the first part of the race. So there's definitely some little things in there that I've learned, and I'll definitely introduce in this next block. So, but it'd probably be 12 weeks for me. I think right. whether you do 12 or 16 just depends where you're starting from. Yeah, that's what I would say. Mm. Um, you know, if you race fit, you know, you're doing 10k's and stuff like that. 12 weeks probably enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you, Carl? You've got London coming up, haven't you, in the autumn? Yeah, so I'm I'm getting quite excited for London. Uh, I actually started <laughs> doing my plan, but I'm working backwards um, from race day. So I'm starting to look at the taper, and yeah. we spoke about the um, that intensity that you just mentioned in that taper. So just wanted to see where, where races would come into it. So I've had a look at a... Um, a half marathon not far out again the 10k shape that's been mentioned by numerous guests um, but I'm going to have two sessions a week um, I'm going to have a few double double days and long runs that ad- incorporate some additional speed sessions like you said um, the plan at the moment is a 14 week plan and it starts a week after the tour um, but now that you said 12 I might start looking at a 12 week plan <laughs> um, so just looking at a few 10k's and half marathons just to drop in um, I've got in my notes here that I'm going to be looking at 20 mile races but Sean's just crossed that one off the list <laughs> well, it's very personal isn't it yeah. marathon training it block. I think you've got to play around with it yeah. um, I just found that I had some really good performances in 20 mile races last year but it didn't carry through into the marathon I think I left all my marathon fitness in those two races yeah because yeah. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to get the plan near enough ready um, I'll have a chat with Glenn go through it see what he thinks and then we can just make any adjustments but I've only done I've done Manchester in 2016 and then I did the virtual um, mm. I'm happy with the time that I got at the virtual but I know I can go quicker so um, but yeah what about you Dave you've done a few <laughs> oh and you've won yeah. a few I've done a fair <laughs> few and I I'm not sure it. if I'll ever do another one again but um, yeah I've certainly no plans to do a marathon this autumn but 
If I was, uh, I would repeat many of the things that seemed to work for me um, back in my PB days. Um, so one thing I would definitely repeat uh, is the 12-week build-up, uh, which for me was always uh, 10 weeks of high-volume training um, and then a two-week taper. Um, and th- that 10 weeks of high-volume training, um, the emphasis would be on increased mileage, uh, much longer long runs. So at the moment, my long runs are sort of 15 miles normally. They would go up to... 22 typically so much longer long runs uh, and some longer races as well um so yeah sean sean's not so sure about the value of a 20 mile race i think it depends how you approach them so a lot of my better marathons actually came when i did a 20 mile race in my build-up but i didn't go all out i just did it as a bit of a training run um so just as, a, as an illustration um i would often go through 20 miles in a marathon and around about one hour 45 um, my 20 mile races I would normally run about 1 hour 50 in them so I'd be about 5 minutes slower uh, and without the extra distance to run so I've, I always felt a 20 mile race at that slightly reduced intensity worked really well for me I just felt it prepared me physically and mentally for what was to come um, and I'd always keep an element of speed in there um, I think it's really important that um, what Johnny said about keeping in good 10k shape is really important um, my coach, when I was doing marathons, Norman Poole, he, he was adamant that you should always be on the start line uh, ready to run a 10k PB in a marathon. Um, and I think that was good advice. So, yeah, I'd continue to carry out a weekly interval session on the track, um, although I'd probably do a, a bit more volume than usual. So I might add a couple of reps on at the end just to give me a bit more volume and make it a little bit more specific. Um, I think the great thing that we've had on this podcast, though, is some of the guests what we've had um, particularly someone like Johnny um, you know he's, he's run <laughs> considerably faster than I have and um, you know and I think we can all learn from somebody like that so even though I've done uh, I, I feel like I've finished my marathon career and it's unlikely I'll do another one if I was there are things I've learned from this podcast that uh, you know I would potentially take into a, a marathon build up in the future um, and one of those is the um, the, the, the session of uh, efforts at marathon pace with a float recovery that, that Sean and, and Johnny in his episode mentioned. I never really did any sessions like that back when I was doing marathons. And well, if it's good enough for Johnny, it should be good enough for every, <laughs> anyone, really. So, yeah, that's something I'd, I'd probably give a try um, yeah, and, and see how that worked. Um, and, of course, with the guys we've got locally now, there's so much opportunity to do it in a, in a group environment as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure... Sean would be up for that if I if I did return to the marathon. What, what is it about the marathon that you think you won't do another? Because there's runners like around your age running incredible times. And there is, stuff. yeah. It, it was really my well, my last marathon that I finished. Um, uh, what would that be? So London, no, it would be Manchester 2014. So that yeah. that went really well. Really enjoyed that. Two hours 19, and then later that year I ran, I ran for England in Toronto. Um, and I got tripped at around 12 miles um, and really did some damage to my hamstring um, and didn't finish the race. And I just felt like my legs were never the same after that. I kept getting uh, hamstring tightness a lot of the time, which was really restricting what I was able to do. Uh, I started getting a lot of calf tears, and I'm sure this all came from that trip in that race. So it has put me off so far doing another marathon and that that was eight years ago now um so but 
Yeah, I'm never saying never. I'm never saying never. And certainly, the, like, another thing with having these guests on is it's so inspiring listening to them as well. Mm. You know, both from a performance level, listening to someone like Johnny, but, you know, also listening to people like Joe on the last episode and, and just the, 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 the sense of achievement everyone gets from them. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. In, in terms of guidance, I, le- I learned a lot from my dad uh, and my coach, Norman Poole, when I was racing marathons. Um so yeah, I wouldn't try and completely reinvent the wheel now. Um, I learned a lot from them, and, and there was a lot of things that that, that really worked well for me. Um, but and the other thing I'd need to be mindful of is that I'm a little bit older now, <laughs> so I'd probably have to reduce my mileage intensity a little bit from what I used to do. Hmm. Just one final thing from me. I think volume as well. Um, I, I put a lot of volume into Cheshire last year, and again that didn't turn into a great race for me really I mean my volume is quite a bit less this, this time right. so mm. I think it's about finding that mm. sweet spot and I see people running really quick times on actually lower mileage than me as well so yeah you've just got to play around with it and mm. you've almost got this natural indicator in your body haven't you that tells you when you, you're doing yeah. too much volume so it's bad in there as well though because with a marathon like, like we've always said is if you get it wrong, you've got a long wait to yeah. get back yeah. into that shape mm. again to try and get it right. Yeah, you put a lot mm. into it, don't you? Yeah. Just in terms of longish run then, because I know that's something that always comes up in terms of, you know, for listeners, you said 22 miles then, Dave, you'd always go and try. I, I do, I do a fair few 22s, would but I, I would probably try and do a, just one 24-mile run. Right. That, that's just me personally, though. Mm. I know that's not that that's not a lot of people go to that that distance yeah what was your longest shot out of interest in this block it was 20 20 i didn't, I didn't go yeah. over 20 or i right. went up to yeah. 25 so when you read ron hill's books his staple long run was 20 and a half hmm. and what was so specific <laughs> about the yeah. 20 and a half maybe it was a specific <laughs> route that he used to run um but interestingly three weeks out he'd like to do a very slow 28 miler wow, so he would run over distance slow. uh but very slowly three weeks before the race and he said it, it just removed all doubt that he was able to handle the distance. What's your longest run, Callum, going to be on your um, plan? I think I've got mine down at either 22 miles or three hours. Right. So mm. I was going to have a look at mm. time-based, as you mentioned then, time on feet. I think that was um, a big thing for me in my last... When I did Manchester, I really struggled. I stopped. And then I even stopped in the virtual one as well because I was really struggling. Um, and that's one thing that I've... I don't want to do mm. out in London this year. Yeah. I want to get all the way around without stopping. Um, so, yeah, probably getting daggers now from Dave and Sean for stopping in a marathon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> interesting, though, isn't it? It's, just, it's interesting now plans differ and how everybody is different. And really I think, is, yeah. Like you said, Sean, and that was a really good point from Sean as well about the, uh, the duration of the build-up because yeah. 12 weeks was... So that was 10 weeks of training with a two-week taper. I always found that was brilliant for me. In my earlier marathons, uh, I was working off 15, 16 weeks. And what I was finding was when I was racing a half marathon three, four weeks out from the marathon, I was running a much better half than I was the marathon. I probably peaked mm-hmm. for the half. Um, so I think if you're starting from... Um, from a you know from a good level of fitness you probably 12 weeks will be enough in all yeah. honesty i might have a few weeks off then after the tour yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay fab brill well i hope that was helpful to everybody so on to an overview of races and training so 
Um, pretty much same for me, still just been trying to build up um, volume. Calf, touch wood feels fine, so it was a bit tight after the um, stride through the woods race, but it's been absolutely fine since. Um, so just building up to try and get around 50 miles a week. Um, again, still not been really doing much speed work, so that's something I want to try and start to incorporate. Um, but my daughter's football match on Saturday was cancelled, so I did go and do Stanford Park Run. And in true Dave style, I did a warm-up. So, hey. <laughs> so I left my jacket on and I ran two and a half miles. Brilliant. Uh, yeah, and I put my vapour flies on and off I went. Um, and everybody, I spoke to a few people at the start, spoke to, um, bumped into Dan Armstrong, um, and he said it is, you know, it's quite a tough course, so just don't start off too, too heavy. Um, just kind of see just take it slowly it's quite hilly um so i did i set off and it did feel quite slow to to start off but um i was glad then because then the hills did come um picked up a bit um did struggle to be honest i, I did feel a bit grim but i've got a bit of a, a sinus infection so i feel like i've always got a <laughs> an excuse at the minute but um did feel a bit grim but anyway i, I cracked on and i finished um 11th overall um, second female in 22.06 so it wasn't too bad I was quite pleased with that but when I looked on um, park run results I have run Hyde Park run quicker than that and I think Stamford Park on reflection is easier than Hyde so I think I need to pull my finger out and well, try a bit bit harder my, my times on Hyde are quicker than Stamford oh honest. really yeah, yeah th- same for me oh, as well really? oh really yeah, oh Oh, well, there you go then. So maybe I should be pleased with that. Um, but I think just a, a shout out to the, the girl that finished before me. She was only a young girl, um, Charlotte Ray. I think she was called. I chatted to her at the end and a listener of the podcast. Um, but she doesn't run for a running club. She's um, a triathlete, but she was like 30 seconds in front of me. She was off. Um, like I say, she only young, did a first marathon this year at Manchester, um, finishing 3.30, I think. So... Uh, somebody to watch out for so um well done charlotte um but yeah quite enjoyed it kind of not at the time but afterwards and i think that's what i need to do push myself to try and do a little bit faster speed work so yeah i'll try and continue with that sean well it's only one thing to talk about (laughs) (laughs) yeah the um rexham elite marathon so obviously i've been talking about this um sub 240 barrier for as long as they've been doing this podcast, haven't we? Uh, so I was really glad to, to to run that in Wrexham last week. So as I was touching on when we were talking about the marathon build-up then, I did keep quite a bit of intensity in even when we went into taper. Um, and I think that really helped me, actually. So the good thing about this race was I was able to put my own drinks out. So I put the um, LucasAid Sport, I'm not, don't don't overcomplicated LucasAid sporting little tutti fruity bottles have you seen those um, what they called those little bottles I bought some of them and fruit shoot fruit shoots that's fruit it yeah. clearly not got a child if he's not heard of no. fruit shoot I just went to the shop seen them for a pound I thought them bottles were a good size um, and then I obviously fueled with mountain fuel gels as we talked about last week so the first 5k was really easy really it felt good um, we went through quite a big group of us actually went through in um 1840 so pretty much spot on pace there and the group stayed together then and we started to work together but what you have in that race as well is a mixture of half marathon runners and marathon runners um so we stuck together through 10k 37 just over 37 minutes 37 12 so i could see that we were bang on target but between 10k and half 
pretty much the entire group took off. Um, and I could see the gun. Um, Dave, what was the name of that lad you know you're on 235 you work with? Paul Began. Paul, yeah. So Paul was in our group and then he, he took off and a lot went with him. Yeah. He actually ran um, a po- positive split. Yeah. Oh, did Sorry, it? negative split. Negative yeah, so he ran a yeah. faster second half. Yeah, that was obvious actually. And when he went, um, I thought, am I going backwards or is the group really pressing on here? And I could see they were, they were shifting. So they were going, probably going... 5.55 pace so I made a really good decision on reflection to not go with them and um, just let them go so myself and another runner from um, Horwich um, Harry has stuck together Richard Howarth and we stuck to 6 minute mile in um, and we went through halfway bang on pace at 1.19 although it was getting a bit tough because it was obviously getting warmer and windier and there was only two of us and I don't know how much support I offered to other runners being the size I am but Richard was certainly helping drag me around a little bit from time to time. So thanks, to, thanks if you, if you listen to the podcast. Um, so between the halfway then and, and 20 miles, the group that took off, um, with the exception of um, the runner we just mentioned, pretty much all came back to us and we went we went past them. And uh, that is a, just psychologically such a boost, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden the pace felt good again because I was having a bit of a struggle through the middle of the race. Um, Richard did sort of pull away from me a little bit. I was a bit worried about that, but he never really got too far. Just, just sort of almost like a, a bus length or something, you know. And you sort of think, hmm, okay. And I was, but the pace felt okay at the moment, so I was pl- pretty happy with that. But then Richard came back to me as well, and I ended up going when we went into the last ten k. Things started getting pretty difficult as they do in the marathon, and. Um, I think mentally it got a bit tough as well, windy, um, hot, and I was pouring. And you know when you stop at the drink stations, because I had my own drink table of Lucasade, when I got the water, I was just throwing it over my head. Uh, it was getting quite hot, and when I took my Salford vest off as well, when I got home, it's clearly the only vest I can wear now for the six mo- next six months. But <laughs> 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 with the sun, the sun tan, so I'm probably the only person to get sunburned um, that day. But I don't, I don't, I don't get, um, I don't cope well with the sun really. Um, so we went through 20 miles pretty much bang on pace um, just a few seconds over um, two hours um, I did suffer with a stitch I was suffering with a stitch and um, when the lead I got lapped by the lad who won the race and when he come past me they have like a camera crew with him and as it, as they went past me I've got my hand on my head like this because I'm trying to stretch like you can't it's obviously it doesn't come across on the podcast I've got my hand on my head trying to stretch my ribcage out because I've got a bit of cramp in my ribcage and like it's quite painful but I managed to run through it and just worked really hard and then I kind of knew it was close so I came in at 2.39.40 but I knew it was close and managed to pick it up a little bit for the last few miles but when I came over the finish line I was absolutely spent but I was absolutely elated oh. honestly I was all day I was just on cloud nine I still am really to be honest with you Uh, yeah I'm absolutely buzzing it puts me a little bit ahead of where um, where I thought I might be but I feel like I've finally got a marathon time which reflects the training I've put into it Um, so yeah I'm absolutely over the moon and just trying to recover well now because I just cannot wait to get stuck into Berlin what (laughs) shoes did you wear Sean? yeah good question so I went with I've been debating this I went with the Alpha Fly Um. Modern shoes now, you don't need to break them in. I did a two-mile marathon pace run in them and then just went with them on the day and they're absolutely fine. Um, and I think the good thing about the Alpha Fly is is that last 10K, 
you can I think you can wear pretty much anything up to 20 miles but when your body starts to struggle that's when you need something that's just going to help you keep yeah. that form and for me the Alpha Fly did that really well um, just to help me keep that form so uh, they're going back in the box now until Berlin <laughs> I'll be wearing them again now can I just so. ask sorry another question about <laughs> gels because I remember we asked Johnny I think you asked Callum Johnny what was the um, technical reason for arm sleeves and I'm sure I saw in a picture yeah. You had a gel in an arm sleeve. I don't think Johnny mentioned that they were for holding. No, gels, you could have used that one, <laughs> really. But yeah, that's so. It was a. It was just something I come up with on the day. Yeah, because um, I don't know what it is. Uh, Joe Edgerton actually asked me on social media, "Why do you wear arm warmers?" Yeah. Um, um, I said, "Well, for whatever reason, whenever I wear them, I just run well. Right. So you don't change it, do you? So all my best runs have come wearing them sleeves, um, and it was quite warm on the day." But I went with them anyway, and they are good for carrying your gels your as gels. well. Just pop a gel in the top. And how many gels did you take? Well, we went through <laughs> this, didn't we? It's a very scientific <laughs> approach for me. I didn't change it at all. Two, two mountain fuel isotonic gels, and followed by another two um, isotonic and caffeine gels. And I think the only difference to this race was Lucasade Sport. I was able mm. to take on something I tested in training. You can't always do that in a marathon. You've got to take what's, whatever's on the tables. So I'll need to find out what's on the tables in Berlin and train with that. That's the only issue. But yeah, still buzzing. Yeah, so. well done. But what was the um, what was the celebratory food? <laughs> now I want full oh, details yeah. of what was on top of this. Oh yeah, it was quite complex actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just went mad on the Domino's. Uh, was it the Domino's app or uh, um, Papa John's? Yeah, so we had tuna, um, pineapple, jalapenos. Um, I think that was. I think that was it. I might have thrown something else on. Right, get him off the podcast. Now. <laughs> I know tuna <laughs> and pineapple on a pizza. I, I tell you what, you Monday need to try that. Wrong, they, they did use that as. They did use that as a standard option, but they've removed it for some reason. Warm which is just, tuna <laughs> and warm pineapple, like that's just wrong. Oh, I was just so hungry, honestly. But that that I, I very. I went into the settings to create that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm sure they don't get many requests. Yeah, double tuna as well, because you can pick one or two, can't you? So I went double, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Doing me. Yeah, but um, it's been, yeah, just been over the moon with it and onto another man who's run, had a good run in the last uh, week or so as well. How how did you get on at Mid-Cheshire, Cal? Oh, just what I say, just what I say, well done. Um, You can really tell that the, the hard work has definitely paid off. We were... We were following you on the app and a couple of other lads, um, Ashley Buckley as well. Um, so yeah, well done. Oh, I was buzzing when you got over Did, the line. Do you know what the, the amount of, needed. the amount of support on um, the socials through the podcasts and everything else has been unbelievable. Really came across that last week. It depends if they know your face. <laughs> <laughs> Made me run quick, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So thanks everyone anyway who commented on my Strava and. Uh, wish me luck before and after and well done after the race it did ma- every single one of their messages makes a massive difference on it that's enough about your marathon now Sean. <laughs> <laughs> um right so on to, on to my training um did a sunday long run with joe um um and then paced that quite well um around about 7:20 7:30s um then just did a double run day on monday um then had a massage from alan cook ready for mid cheshire um, Tuesday was easy on the bike I couldn't really walk properly Tuesday morning um, and then Wednesday was um, just a bit of a tune up 12 one minute efforts um, and then the usual pre-race shakeout on Thursday morning 
which was three miles and um, five short hill strides. Um, Friday, I felt a bit lost not running early in the morning. Um, so got to Mid Cheshire on Friday night, went down with Michelle Vaughan. Um, as mentioned in the race review, weather was perfect. Um, spoke to Glenn Piper and Dom Sexton um, throughout the week leading up to the race about race tactics. So I suggested to Glenn that I should go for 17 minutes and just really commit. I think when I was at podium last time, I knew I had a bit more in the tank and I needed to make sure that I was emptying the tank and seeing where the red line was. Um, we did a warm-up, um, which went from the car park up towards the toilets and then down, down like the back straight that you come up. And it seemed to be really good because you got to see that final 2K at the, at the top of the hill and... When in during the race, I had a really good idea, knew where I, where I was at. Um, so as we set off on the race, just made sure I could, ignored my watch as much as possible. At the turning point, uh, just before 2K, at the bottom of the hill, the start, the the hill starts. But my adrenaline was going quite well, and I didn't really feel the hill as much as I thought I would. Um, my, I didn't feel like my effort went down at all. Um, then hit 3k and Glenn was there to greet us all with some words of wisdom, wisdom and confidence and then it was all downhill from there um, just actually down the hill and my performance still stayed the same but I was picking people off I felt really good and I was definitely working hard and I really wanted it uh, final k was downhill uh, which anyone who's done the race before knows it's I think it really takes it out of your quads going, going down that hill I really felt that on um, on Saturday morning but I completely emptied the tank um, the race pictures show how hard I were working um, crossed the line in 1716 which is a 26 second PB um, mentally I think my racing's changed especially for a 5k um, I think when I did like I said before when I did podium I was just going around right I need to hit this pace I need to hit that pace I just went out on Friday night and it was I need to just push this red line and re really commit for it and I'm I'm really happy that I did. Um a little reference to the book how how bad do you want it really really got me ready for the race on Friday as well. So if you haven't got that book and you struggle with a bit of confidence like myself um definitely worth looking looking at it. Uh shout out to Jordan Herald of Bury as well. I had a good chat with him at the end. Um, and had a good battle round about two or three k as well, um, and that's it for me. Um, just next stop, Tory Tame side. And then uh, see how hard you were working on the pictures. <laughs> yeah, you know. yeah. Proper yeah. race face. Oh. Callum, you <laughs> talked about mindset there. How much um, of a difference would you say Glenn's coaching's made? I think Glenn's coaching's put a bit more confidence in me for be training in a group and trying to pick people off within the group and seeing where I am. Um, some of the lads, one of the lads did a part run, Dan Kavner, um, like the week before, and he, I think he got just over 18 minutes. And then he ran on Friday and he got, I think he got a PB. I think it was, I, I, I said it before, I can't remember what it was, 17.40 something, I think. Um, and I think mentally knowing that then people are behind you, that you, you wanting to try and push that a little bit harder. But Glenn puts quite a lot of confidence in you because he actually, he, he doesn't tell you what you want to hear, he tells you what you need to know. Yeah. And when I said to him, what am I t what do you think my tactics should be for Friday night? He actually said, 
after I said 17 minutes, he just went, yeah, just do that. And yeah, just went for <laughs> it, <laughs> went for it and emptied the tank. I keep saying empty the tank, I literally was spent. And I tried to fall onto <laughs> the floor, but everyone kept telling me to move. <laughs> um, but no, it was a good buzz. Everyone from East Cheshire, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone got a PB that raced for East Cheshire. Um, Gav Brown as well, 15.30, absolutely belting. Liam as well, 16.06, I think it was, and then he raced the day after. Nutter, clearly wanted some cake. Yeah, okay. yeah, did he come second as well? Did I read yeah. that before? So yeah, yeah ran well as well. Yeah, two <laughs> two races by Run Cheshire there in the space of a week. Two really good races. Yeah, and so good kudos to Run Cheshire and my my Carrison over there who's um, put on some good good races recently. Yeah, belting. Um, over to Dave. Yeah, thanks, Callum. Yeah, so a bit more positive this week. Uh, seemed to turn a bit of a corner. Uh, so I've had no calf issues since we recorded the last episode. Um, the big plus was that I returned to the tempo loop on Thursday. So uh, the previous week uh, I'd done I had just just four miles at about five forty pace. Just my legs didn't feel biomechanically very good. My, I was aware of sort of a lingering issue with my calf still, uh, but I've continued with the strengthening work. Um, really uh, sort of managed my training and listened to my body and uh, taken rest days where I felt I've needed it. So I went back to the tempo loop on Thursday um, and yeah, just a bit, bit, bit of a mind blown uh, run really because uh, yeah, to go from four mile at 540 is feeling laboured and biomechanically not very good to running five miles at 520s, um, which is pretty much where I was in the winter really when I was racing really well on the cross country. So yeah, that that tempo um, run gave me a lot of confidence that I'm a, a bit closer to a return to full fitness than I thought. Um, still, I think uh, where I'm falling down is uh, just not up to full speed uh, on the track and on the shorter stuff yet. So I did have a number for Mid Cheshire 5K on Friday, but I decided not to go. Um, I thought it would just be a bit intense and a bit sharp for me. So I, I gave that one a miss. Um, so yeah, as mentioned earlier, I did the uh, did the pacing at the Older Age Bypass 10k on Sunday, uh, 37.30. Um, felt very comfortable, but even at that pace, six minute miling, um, you know, it's 40 seconds a mile slower than I was running on the uh, tempo loop on Thursday. But those undulations still get your legs towards the end, um, and you know, I was encouraging the runners around me. Um, but you know, I said, God, you know, I was thinking to myself, if I, if I'm feeling it in my legs, <laughs> these guys who are racing, you know, at, at the limit must really be feeling it. So, yeah, it's uh, not the easiest of courses that. But yeah, I was 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 happy with that workout, and it was a, it was a good, uh, a, a nice, enjoyable morning. Particularly enjoyed the um, the support from the runners on the other side of the bypass as you were as you were coming on the opposite direction. Um, yeah, and Sunday gave me a real um, a real um, buzz for sort of a race day environment. So uh, I've actually decided to enter a couple of races uh, over the weekend, which uh, I've not, I haven't put my name down for anything for a while. So uh, I've got a couple of races, actually, they're both this week. So uh, they were, it was a bit of a spur of the moment thing, but I've entered a race on Wednesday uh, and I've entered a race on Sunday as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be able to report some positive news on those two races in the next episode. What races are them, Dave? Uh, so I'm going to do the uh, Run North West Quarry Bank Trail Race on Wednesday, uh, which is an interesting course because you run up and down steps in part of that course. 
So I know we are forecast a bit of rain, so I will play it by ear on that one. Um, if it's going to be slippy and I think there's risk of injury, uh, I might just keep my powder dry and just do Sunday. Um, so Sunday is a road 10k up in um, up in um, the northeast. It's the Beverly 10k uh, up near Hull. So uh, a friend of mine's doing it, and um, he was asking what my race plan was, and he said, oh, "Why don't you come and do this?" So yeah, thought why not? Not got, not got anything else on on Sunday. Good luck, Dave. Thank you. Cheers. Okay, and now on to the interview of the episode. We've got a member of Salford Metropolitan Athletic Club. His brother was an international runner, whereas this man discovered his love of running later in life. Uh, He's achieved PBs of 18.53 for 5K uh, and 39.30 for 10K in the Vet 50 age group. Uh, But he is best known for his photography at local running events. So please all welcome Pete Brown. Welcome. Welcome, Pete. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for having me. Um... So yeah, uh, I think everybody around the table uh, has uh, benefited from your uh, fantastic photography. So firstly, I do have to say how much I love your photos, um, uh, and I know how many uh, other runners appreciate the effort and the quality of your images. Um, so I've I've tried to take photos of runners racing uh, on my iPhone, um, and they come out okay, but they're nothing like yours. So. First question for me, how much difference does it make um, having a decent camera, uh, or is it more about the man behind the camera? Um, I know nowadays, um, iPhones and everything like that, you can get some decent results, can't you? But at the end of the day, I think um, it's, it's a lot to do with the camera. It's knowing how to set the camera up. Once you've got that um, experience of how to set a camera up, Obviously, they're very expensive um, pieces of kit. A lot of it's to do with the lens as well. You can do stuff with a phone, but you'll you'll never do what you can do with a telescopic lens. Like get closer to the action, blah blah blah. It's it's difficult, but it's, it's the ma- the magic is setting up the camera correctly for yourself to um, talk about shutter speeds, uh, aperture, how the photograph's going to turn out. Um, it's it's um, it's just technique, really. Um, and 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 just, um, I think being a runner myself, I know what I'm looking for. I know what they're looking for. I know how how I if I was having the photograph taken of me, how I, where where would I want the person to be standing? Um, the so when I, when I see the runners come in, I know what what they would probably like to, to look like, and and I will never I'll never ever. Um, like posted a photograph that I would not want myself to be himself because like you know you see photographs and I think oh my god especially photographs of me race photographs of me I, I am the worst I take the worst photograph <laughs> so any tips for me how, how do you get the best shot um, is there a particular angle that works well so for example um, does running runners coming towards you seem to work better uh, than side on angles what, what's your take on that um, I think to make I think I like to get down low when I'm taking photographs. I like to get down low. I like to make the runner look strong if they're above you. They, they do look better. I think a lot of it, my photographs, when when, I've, when I'm doing a set of photographs, some photographers, and are, well, some photographers, what they'll do, they'll just um, go home and put all the photographs on Facebook, regardless of, you know, any out-focused ones, blah, blah, blah. They'll just get... It's easy to do. You just dump it all on Facebook, don't you? But... Um, for my own personal pride and my own personal, um, I just, I like to, this is why it takes me so long to do it. People saying to me, Pete, when are these photographs coming out? 
and it might be like a week later that I've done it, I've had the time to do it, I'll, I'll go through all the photographs. They might be looking at a race of a 10K or something like that I've, I've done. You might be having looking at 3,000 photographs, you know what I mean? You can, with an up-to-date camera now, you can take, I don't know, 10 or 15, 10 photographs in a second. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's going through all the photographs. It's then picking out the photographs that I like. It then might be a matter of getting all them photographs in one section and then going through all them photographs saying, right, now, does that need touching up? I might then, to make the photograph look better, these things you can do with composition, but that might be uh, by um, moving, the, moving like cropping the photograph. It might be getting the, the, the athlete uh, yeah, using the rule of thirds. So basically, if you imagine on, on your screen, you might have like, um, what's that game? Uh, knots and crosses. So you've got the, 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 the lines going across, up and yeah, down. Yeah, so the grids. Yeah, so yeah. You, want the, you might want the, the, the athlete where, in an intersection which is using the rule of thirds. So it always looks better that way. So the eye is drawn to the athlete and then behind it might be the path. And, and it, you might not realize that's what someone's done. I mean, that only can be done really in editing. You're not gonna be able to do it in a race situation where, oh, I'll get him in the corner or something like that. You know what I mean? In a race situation, it's so difficult with all these, photo, with all these athletes coming towards you and to get a shot of three people, no, sorry, a shot of one person three times and then the next person, and then the next person, and the next person, and they've all got to be in focus. Yeah. It's a technique, and it, it, it takes lots of practice. I mean, I couldn't do it. I could not do it when I first started doing it. There's so many out of focus. It was, it was so really difficult. Do many of your photos just get uploaded straight, straight as they are, or do you end up editing many of no, them? No, I never just upload straight. Right, so do you actually edit each and every photo? Not, well, if I'm, if, when, I, when I first started, I was probably putting about, 200 on Facebook of a race and every one of them I'd be gone for every single one of them yeah wow. to make sure that wow what a great effort this is what this is, I don't think people understand they just think you you know just put them on, you put them out there um, I have stopped recently just just putting I've used stopped using Facebook a lot now recently because one I find it's it's so time consuming and mm. um, I think you can do more damage or not damage you can get more more from an Instagram post with two or three strong photographs than you'll ever do with 200 photographs on Facebook now. Because yeah. if you pick a strong photograph, it, it draw, you know, people are all scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. They're not looking at it, they're just scrolling. So to have a strong photograph to draw people's attention in, oh, what's that one? You know, what race is this? You know what I mean? And you, and you tag people in it. And they, mm -hmm. if it's, um, say, a big race, you'll put the, the winner, the lady winner, the male winner. And then people say, oh, I was in that race. And then they might, they might contact you and say, have you got any of me, blah, blah, blah. So I'll have a look for them, you know what I mean? I've always, there's maybe one or two I haven't, but 99% of the time I will get back to them, say, yeah, I've got some, or I haven't got some, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, with the, uh, you know, he was asking me about the photographs. Um, sometimes, like, when I'm, when I'm out to try and get the photographs, the, the better, better photographs, I'll, I'll probably, if I can get there on time, I'm always struggling for time to get to these races. You know, like it's a Saturday morning or it's a Sunday morning, you know, you've got, everyone's busy on it. But I'll, I'll try, get a course description of, of the course. I'll, tr I'll walk, if I get there, I'll walk the course backwards. I'll look where, where the runners are going to be coming towards me. I'll try and find just a nice, just a nice photograph, not runners in it, just a nice photograph, maybe, um, you know, coming through some trees, 
And then I think, well, that's a nice photograph. So then have the runners come through that nice photograph and get them in that. Mm. You've also, you've got to be thinking, a lot of the time, you've got to be thinking about the light. Is, is the good light. That, the main thing with photography is light. And yeah. you've got to imagine that with the action being so quick, your shutter speed was basically how, how, how long the, 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 the camera opens up for. You know, and, and that, much, that much light's got to come through. So you might be talking a thousandth mm -hmm. of a second, one eight hundredth of a second, just to get, to freeze that action. See, so if it's dark, it's like, say in here now, where we are, we're in a pub, aren't we? A dark atmosphere. Um, people take photos with the camera, and, and the camera compensates. If you haven't got your settings right on a DSLR, um, it's gonna, it'll just come out dark. Yeah. So look for the light, um, look for areas where you can take photos, look, look good, look, no, nice photographs, um, and have the runners come through. So yeah, when I try, that's, that's basically how I try and um, achieve. So I do remember best. you doing um, um, a series of photos at the Podium 5K when it was really dark uh, under oh, the floodlights. I, I can imagine that was a real challenge for you. Is that recently? Uh, you did. I, th I think you did the one with the uh, where St they all got the, the, the same vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah street flight. It was. It was the first couple of races weren't too bad. It was probably about. What thing was it? Was it before the clocks went back? It might have been before the clocks went back. So it, it was, was. It yeah, was. It right. was just before. So the first couple of races, it was okay. You see, with with um, the settings, there's something called ISO where um, the higher the ISO. The blur, the, the cameras, the, the, where the, 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 the photographs will get, the images will get what's called noisy. So um, you need the light. So when they go dark, the camera is really trying to um, <laughs> focus on focus on the on the. It, it gets harder to focus, and the, the images might come out a little bit blurry. People don't understand why. You're probably thinking, well, why does it look like that? Well, unfortunately, it's dark and. Mm. Camera, cameras don't work in the dark very well. So aside from the lighting, what are the other challenges, Pete, uh, for you for you in in terms of um, getting good quality images? I'm assuming the weather. If it's if it's raining, I guess that would be a challenge. And any other challenges for you? Um, challenges. I know I was at that Salford, uh, sorry, um, podium race where they all wore the same. That's right. Yeah. Uh, vest and I was trying to take some pictures of the other lads in the race, your know, mark and that, and it just come out as all white blur, really. Mm. You know what I mean? That's obviously just from a phone and no yeah, experience think, whatsoever. Yeah, the, the flood lighting <laughs> didn't help as well, I think, because um, sometimes, like, some of the light might be sodium lighting and it comes like an orangey tinge mm, and things yeah. like that. I mean, a lot, there was a couple of photographers there, you know, like, good professional photographers, and, and I think mm. they would... I looked at their images and I thought, well, yeah, I can see they're struggling just as much as I'm struggling, you know what I mean? And I thought, well, I don't feel as bad now because I, you know what I mean? <laughs> there was nothing about something I was doing. I thought, am I doing something wrong here? And so you try to, you try to compensate by, uh, right, well, okay, I can't do it the way I normally do it. How can I do it to make it, you know, look, look half decent? And I think a lot of the time was like, you can do it, you know, like with a bit of motion where yeah. it is a little bit blurry, so it shows a bit of speed. Oh, yeah. So so you try to like open, like slow the shutter speed down, so it's so it's uh, so then you can compensate by um, opening up the aperture. See, it's it's all about this. It's basically, it's about not going into it. It's about um, the exposure triangle and it's three elements: shutter speed and all this. Like, and I don't want to go into it too much, but <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at me like, what's going on? About? But when you when you when you uh, move one, you always have to move the other one, basically. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, the weather as well comes into it. I mean, sometimes it's absolutely freezing. You go across country and, you know, your, your fingers... Oh, I'll tell you what, when I've done those running live live streams, mm. you can see that if, when, when it's really, really cold, the, I can't hold the phone straight. You lose all the sensation in your hands. Yeah, and I mean, it can't be easy. I remember once on Tandalil, I was doing the, uh, the photographs for the, I think it's South East Lanks. And I'll tell you what, I, I've never been so cold. And I think I actually, I, I was off, I was actually off for a week after that, off work. <laughs> wow. I think I invented COVID that day. <laughs> I was absolutely dying of some sort of mystery cold. I don't know, but it was it was horrendous. Jeez. It really was. Well, you photographed everything from cross country to road racing, um, to outdoor track and even indoor racing. Um, so which do you prefer photographing and um, uh, have you got a preference? Um, I'd probably say um, I do enjoy going to the track Trafford um, probably because um, well they're coming around every 400 metres aren't they I mean, I mean yeah, and yeah. you're getting plenty of shots um, the speed of them guys is, un- is unbelievable you have, if anyone's ever got any time to go and watch a BMC at the, that's Trafford yeah. to go and watch it because for a couple of quid to see these guys running and how well they run, you you think you're fast. Now go and watch these guys, especially the you know you don't you know, these young athletes. Yeah. They're unbelievable. Yeah, they're, they're, some of them they look like they're sprinting for a, a yeah. you know a middle distance race for the whole distance. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I do like going to the track. I do like to, I do. I mean, I like the podium. That's got that's a track as well. In so they're coming around five times, so you're getting them two or three times. So you're getting plenty of opportunities mm. to get to get the the athletes coming around. So yeah. The, um, Cross country, yeah, it's great, but you got to think about because cross country, where I can stand, where mm-hmm. there's any pinch points in the course, where I can just nip across and get them there, get them there. You know what I mean? Um, corners, muddy bits. Everyone likes to go be seeing running through the mud, don't I mean? I would, <laughs> I would have loved. I mean, I, I would have loved to have um, took the camera to. Is it Harewood Hall? Is it Harewood Hall? A couple of years ago. Harewood House. Yeah. Harewood House. Yeah. yeah, where it was really muddy. Don't know if you ran that one. I'll tell you what, I ran it. And I wish I wish I'd have had my camera with me because that was would have been a fantastic opportunity to get support. But going to the national, I mean, there's no point going to the nationals really because it's so well covered anyway by um, the sponsors and things like that. So yeah, you get yeah. the official photographs from yeah. Sockney, don't you? Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Really yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so obviously we've talked about um, your um, the, the fantastic uh, quality of your images, uh, all the positive feedback you get. Um, do you get many people messaging you asking for photos to be taken down? Uh, in the five years, I've been doing it twice. Twice. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was a f- the first ever post I've ever put on. Yeah. I got a lady asked me to take it down. One of the photographs of her. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, I just don't think she wanted to be on it. Um, yeah. And I was thinking, God, is this what it's like? You know what I mean? Yeah. I about <laughs> and, and another lady who asked me to, to take one down. I think she, just me. One of my friends actually. She just said, yeah. Can you keep? You just take one down, please. And I said, Yeah, no problem. But majority of the people, no, no, that's yeah. the only I've ever time really. Yeah. Um, now, all your photos have been on social media so far, uh, and you don't charge for them, as far as I know. Um, so, where do you stand on the subject of charging for photos? Um, I personally think it's brilliant that you offer such high quality images for free, but th- there is also a cost to you in terms of equipment and your, your travel costs. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, at the end, when I first started, obviously, um, I, st- I started because I was doing a course in photography. Um, when my missus had a, had a baby and I was trying to, or well, my second child, and I was trying to think of something to buy her. 
And I, I thought, well, I'll get her a little camera, a little, a little kit lens and stuff like that, because I wear a camera anyway, so I bought her that. For <laughs> 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 a dual purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I got that, and I mean, once I got into it, but obviously when you got a camera like that, you got to learn how to use it, haven't you? So um, I, started, I started to do this course in photography at um, Salford College, it was like a year's course, and um, everyone on the course was there for something different. And some guy, one guy wanted to do weddings, um, he's doing it now, he's quite successful. Um, some girls, one of the, couple of the girls, one guy wanted to, um, it came on its... <laughs> All he wanted to do was to photograph for eBay because he, he wanted to sell stuff on eBay. Unbelievable. <laughs> he lasted about two nights. And then we must have, must have got enough knowledge to go. So we left it. Um, but at the end of the course, I think it got like 30 of a start, and I think it was about five at the end who carried on. It, it, not, it actually finished it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I charge him. I, I mean, to, to, to get yourself out there, though, You've got to put it out there, haven't you? You can't just start off saying, I'm a photographer, this is this, this is that. No one's never heard of you, never heard of you. No, we're not going to go to your website, are they? So I, just, I decided to, um, obviously, what was the main thing I do? I like running, so um, I had it across country. I think, it was, I think it was the first one I ever went to. It was, um, what's it called? Uh, Bog Old Clough. And... Um, I put some. I put the photographs out there, but I think I put them on my own personal Facebook page, you know, and uh, you know, help yourself, guys. And um, this guy, this guy, um, messaged me, and he said, "Hey, mate, um, you couldn't um, change your settings to share, could you? Because I think a lot of people would like to see these photographs." I was like, "Hey, mate," said to the missus, "How do you how do you do this? How do you put it to share?" <laughs> There's this guy called Dave Normans who contacted me. <laughs> and and we, was, we was there for ages trying to find how to share these photographs too. <laughs> so anyway, so eventually, we found, I found out how to do it after a bit of Googling. and Because uh, I am the worst at social media. I, I, absolutely useless. And um, I messaged him back and I said, go for it, mate. I think it's right now. And then within about 10 minutes, all these guys who were on the photographs were all tagged in. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And I, and I, I saw, I just like could see like that people were enjoying these photographs. So it, it got me like a um, bit of a buzz really. And I thought, you know, I mean, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed doing it, you know, clambering in the mud and getting the photographs and all that stuff. But I mean, it was really, it was really good. And it, it's only because of Dave really that, I, I, you know, I wouldn't have really bothered otherwise. And, and then every time I did a, every time I did a post within about 10 minutes, <laughs> it was just going ping, 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 and, and everyone was getting tagged in. And I thought, is that guy in it? It must be that guy doing it again. You know, I didn't know Dave at the time. And I think my brother, your brother so I'm to blame. Yeah, you're basically it's your fault, Dave. And uh, <laughs> I think my brother said, Dave, that's my brother, because you know my brother. Don't yeah, you, I do I know your brother John. Yeah, that's, that's our kid. That's Pete. That uh, he's my, he's my brother. Like, so he's, and he was like, all oh, right. So um, yeah, that's how it all started, really. But Brilliant. as it comes to, for charging, yeah, I mean. Equipment is so expensive for, for, for high-quality imagery. It's, it's, it's just, and then you've got to upgrade your kit and all this lot. I mean, lenses cost like anything like £2,000 for, for, for a good lens, you know what I mean? So, and travel now is so expensive for traveling it. So um, I've thought about, uh, I've gonna, I think I'm going to start putting them on um, Flickr. And yeah. then um, 
putting them on Flickr and then having like a, is that a Kofi account? Where people can say, well, oh, there you go. I'll get, is it buy your coffee or something like yeah. that? So you can get yeah. something like, something back for them yeah. and people are getting the imagery for themselves. I mean, it, to start up now, um, there's not much point really. I mean, Mick Hall's got the monopoly on all races, aren't they? I mean, Mick's great. I know Mick, he's a really nice bloke. Um, so there's no point really. You're not, not going to compete against that, really. For the amount of races he does, you know, he's done it for a long, 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 long time. And um, so, yeah, I mean, for myself, I'm just happy the way I do it. Um, if it's if I'm giving good imagery to, to the athletes, great. Um, if they don't want to pay for him, I'm not that bothered really, but it would be nice, you know. I mean, I think they did a bit of an experiment with that podium, and I think, Cal, you got the, uh, probably one of the first people yeah, to I, send I me bought, a fiver. You bought yeah. one, yeah. yeah. So people were saying to me, um, uh, I think I've, I think I've put a post out with Phil Sessiman on it, and then, then all the athletes coming to you, oh, have you got any of me? you got any of me? Uh, yeah, I've got some of you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're not paying for the photographs, mate. You're paying for my time because yeah. my time's valuable to me. Yeah. And I must have spent four nights after that just sorting out everyone who worked photographs and just and charging them, charging them five pounds each, which I don't think, I think it's fair, really. I think I got, I think it was eight photos from Podium and I got one from across country as well. Oh, yeah. From you, yeah. But no, I think fiver. I think, I, I mean, have you seen how much they spend on shoes, Pete? Who does? Who does? Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, no, there was, a, there was. A, I mean, there was. Every one of them said, "Not a problem, mate." There was a couple that said, "Yeah, not a problem." I sent them across, and I never heard them since. You know what I mean? One person said, "Oh, I don't like them." I said, "Well, I've already sent you them," and then I said, "Well, you're not paying for the photographs. You're paying for my time." Anyway, I never heard from her again. So you know, I mean, people are weird. Whatever you put, whatever price you put for your photographs. They're always too dear for some people, and, and you know what I mean? So you never please everybody. Okay, well, we've talked a lot about your photography, Pete, so far, but we've not yet talked about your own running. Oh. So um, I'll, I'll leave the other guys to do most of the questions on your own running, because I've asked you a lot already, but we've not yet had a guest on from Salford Mets, so can you just tell us a bit about the club uh, and what the training setup's like? Well, Salford Mets, I don't know if anyone's possibly knows knows probably heard about it well you probably would have heard about it but you probably not know where it is if you've ever coming out of uh, Manchester and you're going down the M602 and you turn left to go towards the traffic centre you've looked across you might have seen a track a running track well that's all for Mets and it's pretty hard to get to because you have to go under a tunnel motorway tunnel blah 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 you wouldn't find it there is a signposted well I actually train there every Tuesday I know I've seen your driver yeah so I I know the track very well yeah I mean it's a lovely it's a fantastic track it's just been done up Um, one of the coaches Jack he got all these um, he, he petitioned for all these uh, you know to get the track um, resurfaced he got all this money uh, from the wherever he got it from councils I don't know um, but to get all the new equipment everything is brand new they've had a ex- bigger car park uh, extended it's, it's, it's fantastic it's a fantastic facility um, the, the, the focus from you know for all the for children from I think from year I think about to be eight years old when I took my little lad Tom I think he started when he was about eight um, go all the way up to the vets so they have um, parent groups I used to go with Thomas and the parents would run round on the outside of the track the kids train on the inside so you can keep an eye on them sort of thing but we also have a, an excellent um, um, 
uh, veterans and older people or, you know we have a, it's, it's fantastic now we, we all support each other so much um, you know we have like, like the whatsapp groups and stuff like that so we're always talking to each other we're always finding out what when we're going for a Sunday runs, who's coming out on the Sunday run? What are we doing? We're all supporting each other. It's it's a fantastic it's a fantastic club, um, to, to, and, and the coaches for the kids uh, are really really good. I mean, some some of the uh, the athletes at the moment are coming through. The younger ones. I mean, there's there's one kid there. I mean, the mate said, "No, forget, don't forget. You don't. You got to mention um, uh, Beatrice." Now she's left Salford Mets this week. Actually. Oh no! <laughs> she's been poached. Um, but yeah, she's been there for a few years, and uh, she's she will be. Uh, I'm telling you now, she'll be your name for the future. I wow. think that kid will be an Olympian. There's no question about it. That kid is that kid is um, so determined for a ten-year-old. I think um, she runs like 1850 for part runs, and she's ten. At ten. At ten. Oh my word. She, she's, she's unbelievable. I mean, I was. She used to when we when during um, lockdown, um, she used to do the was it, the not part runs with us and everything. You know what I mean? And she was beating all the guys, and she's so quick. And I remember one one day at the part run, she was, she was actually sat by us, stood by the side of me. She went, "Hey Pete," I said, "I said, well, what's up?" She went, "My mum says if I get a PB, I can have my ears pierced." <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she got her ears pierced. But yeah, I mean, when. when um, the club itself, it's it, like we, we, like we know we locked down and everything like that. Um, when we went into lockdown, we, we all like um, we d- we started doing all the virtual stuff, and mm. we did loads of um, uh, virtual challenges and things like that. We did a, a, a well, I, I think I was like open, kind of you know, planning it most of it, me and Mike, and um, we did things like. Um, uh, one k each on a mat on, a, on the park run. Um, one of them, one of them was a run a k, um, and then someone else to take over, but virtually. And we tried to. What, we had the faster runners. We tried to beat the the, uh, the fastest time by Kyle Darcy. So he was trying to beat Kyle Darcy. Then, then the next one was like a group of five trying to beat you know a certain time. And then we say like oh you know anyway we didn't beat we didn't beat Kyle Darcy's time <laughs> only by a few seconds. And that was that was a really really good course record to beat. But yeah. There's so loads of things. If anybody on the west side of Manchester uh, is unaffiliated and looking to join a club, um, how would they go about joining Salford Mets? I, I think you just come down. I mean, just come down to the strat. I know it's a bit daunting and a bit intimidating when you t- t- come down to a strat. I mean, I was. I mean, I wouldn't. I started at Park Run, and one of the lads says, "You coming down?" I was like, "Well, I don't know. You're going to be there." And he says, "Yeah, I'll be. I'll be there." So and what are your track nights? What are your club nights? Oh, well, it's um, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Mondays I can't. Thursdays. I can't make Thursdays because I. Um, I'm and that's at the Cleveland's athletic track in um, Winton. In Winton, yeah. yeah. And what time uh, uh, is the meet time? I think the the kids do it six, well seven, and, and then half, half seven till half eight for the older ones. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, thank you. Right. Um, so we've asked this question to all of our guests now. Um, <laughs> what food or drink do you crave towards the end of a long run? Um, we get real mixed answers on this one. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I am. I don't crave anything to be honest with you. I don't drink tea or coffee. I've never have done. I'm not a massive eater to be honest with you. So if I have to finish, if I finish, if I go home and I've done a long run, like this morning, I've done a long run, I'll just go home and have some toast. I'm a bit boring really with things like that. I just, I mean, but if we do a long run, um, you burn them calories. I always have a bit of chocolate. I, I love a bit of chocolate. I always do. 
Yeah. But yeah. Redeem yourself there. <laughs> 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 Pull it out of the fire then. At the end. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, right. I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Going to move on to some listener questions now. Um, so Paul Bannister of Salford, uh, who's an avid photographer himself, uh, has sent some questions in. Um, so first question from Paul. Uh, you're a great photographer. Is there a particular photo you would say is your best and why? Uh, There's so many photographs I took. I don't don't particularly have a favourite photograph. Well, there's so many. I mean, you're talking probably hundreds of thousands, aren't you? So, um, the one that that I I did see the other week, actually, I thought, all right, I didn't know that was, I didn't know he had that. And it was um, one of my favourite athletes to photograph is Mark Scott. Oh, yeah. He's he's awesome, isn't he? And, um, one of his, his uh, profile photographs on Strava is one of mine. I was like, well, that'll do me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was quite chuffed with that. I mean, Paul, I know, I know Paul Bannister, obviously. He's a great runner and he's a lovely lad. I've spoke to him many times at the um, meetings and cross countries. Yeah, he's, he's, fancy. he's got, I do like, I, I really appreciate his photography. He's, he's doing a cracking job and he is, he's making yeah. his own market. You, know, you can tell, like, you can tell it's one of Paul's photographs, even without the watermark on, you know what I mean? So he's making his own, He's making his own ways, and I think he's doing a really, really good job. He really is. Okay. Uh, next question from Paul: What event or type of events have you enjoyed photographing the most? So I've already asked you about type of events. Uh, any specific race you've enjoyed uh, photographing the most? Um, they're all different, aren't they? I suppose. Um, I do like going to um, you know Liverpool for the. Um, Oh yeah, the what's it called? The the cross challenge. Yeah, I do. I do like going there um, because all top athletes are there. Uh, you can get quite a lot of um, exposure by by going there and taking the, taking the images. Um, I tried to keep out of the way actually a lot of the time. I, you know, a lot of the you'll see photographs from Liverpool. It'll always be a finish line photograph. Um, I've always avoided uh, taking photographs from finish lines. I just think I think they're boring. I just think people stopping the watches is boring. Just, just I like to be out there. I like to be on corners. I like to be um, have the runners coming towards me. Um, I just think the, the, once I walk the course, I check where I want to. I want to be. I can um, get. A, I can jump across there. 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 I got. I got that one. That one. And that one. Um, yeah. Um, I like Liverpool. I like. Um, I like the podium. I like Liverpool. Uh, I've been to. I, mean, um, I like do, doing races, obviously, but I remember one time I was, <laughs> I was at the Trafford 10K and I thought I was injured and I was supposed to run it and I thought, oh, I can't run it, I can't run it. No, I'll give me place up. I'll tell you what, I'll go and photograph it. I'll go out the way. I'm not. I wasn't doing the official photograph photographs or anything. I'm just doing it for myself, you know, just to uh, do to kill, to kill some time. And I was setting my camera up next to this puddle because. It was going to be a good photograph, but I was setting up a like a little GoPro at the side of the camp, right of the road, and I was going to be photographing up the road. And um, the wagon came past, you know, with all the signs and blocking the roads and everything like that. And he completely, I got completely drenched. I'd be back to him, oh. and it just, <laughs> and it just the water come over me, and I was like cursing it because my camera was soaked. You know? I actually remember that series of photos from that Trafford 10k going through the puddle. Oh yeah, I think there were some of your best photos. Then they were well, that was brilliant. that was off a GoPro. <laughs> yeah, they were really, really. Yeah, they good. all came out really well, didn't they? Really yeah. arty. There's yeah. one of Dave Barrett. I actually I was remember that was really, that, really yeah. good. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, um, so what made you start photographing events? Next question from Paul. Oh, it was, uh, it was my college course. Um, I had to get a set of photographs for the assignments and things like that. So um, I, in the end, I think I did a book, um, a photographic book for it. And I also we had to do um, lots of images. Um, I had to say how you got them all and you know, how you created them and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think, I, ended up, I, I can't remember how I did it. It's like years ago. I, I, did, a, I did like a photographic book. With all my photographs in, I did all my um, sense of place sort of thing uh, to, to get the, obviously for the examiners and stuff like that. Um, so basically, that was the reason I started um, um, in, in photography was, was the college course. Um, but it's just gone from there. It's, it's enough snowballed, really. Um, I just hope I'm uh, doing a good job for everyone. <laughs> No, you are. You really are. Okay, so um, final question from Paul, um, and that will conclude my questions. Um, it's a geek question, according to Paul. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know, do you think it's worth the extra expense uh, to upgrade a 70 to 200mm um, f4 lens to a 70 to 200mm f2.8? I think Paul knows the answer to that himself, <laughs> actually. Uh, basically, what he's asking is, does he buy... Um, an eight hundred pound lens, or does he buy a two thousand pound lens? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've got um, the, the exact camera is on about the seventy to two hundred two point eight, and it gives you so much. Um, the image quality is so much better. The, the general general rule of thumb with uh, the lenses: is the lower the, the lower the f two point the, the f number, the higher the quality. Um, oh, okay. You get um, a better depth of field with a lower. Uh, depth lower number on the on the on the two point eight, so yeah, uh, yes, yes, Paul, get yourself a new lens. Yeah. Get invested. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, brilliant, Pete. Right, that's everything from me. I'm now going to pass you over to Sean. Cheers, Dave. So yeah, I've got a few questions of my own and a couple more from listeners, um, mm. Pete. So obviously, two hobbies which work really well together. It seems then running and photography. Um, which one actually came first, and did did one actually lead to the other then? Um, well, the running, the running came first. Uh, I wasn't that. I always struggled to get going with running. I, I had that many times where I, I would try and start running, and it's so difficult to start running. You just so out of breath, you know, and you think, oh, sorry, I, I, I can't be bothered. I'll leave it or something like. That. But my, my brother was such a good runner that you know, when I was when I was younger, I never took any notes of what he was what he was up to. Because he was so dedicated of what he was doing, you know, when we was when we lived together at home, my mum and dad, he'd he'd be there at the tea table and he'd be having his tea and he'd be like, if I coughed or sneezed, he'd be like, have you got a cold? You know, I mean, he was seriously, have you got a cold? And he would just leave the room because he just didn't want to get a cold because he just wanted to run. And um, sometimes I'd say to him, oh, should we go for a run, John? You know, and he'd just laugh at me. He, just, he would just laugh and go, <laughs> you know, as if like, no, Peter, we're not going for a run together, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, the running came first. I used to just um, enter like a big Manchester 10K and uh, I never do any training for it. I just enter it and run like, run like you do. Tried to get under 50 minutes and that was about it, really. I couldn't believe people got under 50 minutes. I just think, how did you do that? How did you get under 50 minutes? It's like people say, I've got 47 minutes. I think I just couldn't understand it. Not getting a cold. <laughs> yeah, probably. 
And um, just, you kind of touched on this next question a little bit earlier when we were talking about lockdown at Self of Met and some of the virtual stuff they did. Um, so I was going to ask a bit about um, about that really. So obviously it must be good now we're we're back racing and back we're able to catch the action again since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I guess ph- photographers are just one of the many people involved in racing. You know, people who organise medals, time in t-shirts. So how did you how did you stay motivated? Um, you know, from both running and the photography side of things in the lockdown. Yeah, without mm. in the absence of racing. Well. With photography, I mean, it, I wasn't bothered. I wasn't taking photographs, to be honest with you. It was a bit, a bit of a break. Um, in the, I mean, I was lucky in my job as an electrician. Um, I was just furloughed for, for, for the best part of three months from the first one and the best part of three months from the second one. So I had so much time on my hands. And I got, after the first lockdown, after three months, I was training, but on this, and I thought, God, I've just wasted that three months. I could have really trained hard on that. You know what I mean? I, I had all that time. I was like a professional runner. I was getting all that money off the government for being at home. And, and it, you was allowed to go out running, weren't you? And I thought, yeah. mm, if, if it ever happened again, I would, I would get myself <laughs> proper fit, you know? And um, it happened again, didn't it? So um, I uh, decided that, that this was going to be the time I'm going to get myself fit. And... I know my mate, he bought, um, he bought a pair of proper scales and I had had a pair of scales in the bathroom, but I've never, you know, when you weigh yourself and I, the scale, the scales I had were completely wrong. And when I got these proper scales that connected to me, my iPad and all this, like, I realized I was like a stone overweight. That's what I thought I was. So I thought, right, that's it. I'm, I'm when the lockdown started, I was right, that's it. I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to start training. I'm going to start losing weight. And that's when it happened. And, um, we did like loads of virtual the things I was talking about before we did, um, uh, 3Ks, 10Ks, 5Ks, virtuals and stuff like that. And then, but obviously, when I've been doing the photography, I just saw um, a line of these shoes on the on the start line. I was thinking, what are them shoes? What, what are them? What are them shoes, mate? You know what I mean? And they were like, obviously, Alpha Flies and um, Vapor Flies and all these New Balance and everything like that. And I thought, I've got to get myself a pair of them. I've got to get, you know, and uh, I bought myself a pair of. Um, I wanted to get a pair of Vapor Flies, but. I think you had to be dead quick, didn't you, in them days, to get a pair, and I, and I missed out, and I ended up buying a pair of Alpha Flies, and I, and I got them, and I didn't like them. Well, I said I didn't like them. Oh, you mean dead quick on the app? Yeah, you had, to, you had to get, otherwise <laughs> it was sold out, weren't it, within five minutes. You had to be there at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, right, I think yeah. I was doing part run. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, um, eventually got a pair of these shoes, and the difference. I know people say, oh, it's not the shoes. It's the shoes. I'm, I'm not having it. Alpha uh, vapor flies do not four percent off your time, and the first time I wore them in these time trials, I was thinking, right, yeah, I know, but it's not race. It's not a race. It is. It, we are racing, but I'm racing on my own. I'm doing this on my own. What's what would it be like in a race? And the first race I think I did when my alpha flies on was uh, mid Cheshire about a year or two ago, and I just like not forty five, probably fifty seconds off my time, and I thought, oh my god, you know, what else can we do? You know what I mean? And it was just. They were just, they're unbelievable, aren't they? Yes, as we all know, but um, yeah. yeah. I thought I'd say I did like join lockdown. I got myself in pretty good shape, I thought, for myself. I mean, I'm not like your sort of standard, but. We've, we've spoke a lot about that. I've seen a lot of good performances out of lockdown, mm. you know, with people um, uh, coming out of lockdown really fit and in good shape. So, um, what about 
the marathon. I see you've done one marathon. Any plans to return um, to the marathon? I don't distance? know if my missus will allow me to do another marathon, if I'm honest, because I nearly died on the first one. Um, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> you know you make that call? Yeah. You know when you write your number on the back of a back of your number? Of ice. Oh, yeah. Of ice. Yeah. But you never expect to make the call, do you? Yeah. And... Um, I had um, I had the part on barcode on you know the strap the wrist strap I just thought I'll put that on, um, and I was just I'd finished the marathon I was so chuffed I would aim I aimed for three thirty and it's probably a little bit out of my league at, at the time, um, but the, the proudest thing about about the man who did the marathon is I never stopped I started on the start and I went over the finish line and I never stopped from the start to starting it to stopping it, but when I finished. That's when it all went wrong. <laughs> That's when it all went wrong. I hobbled round, you know, the village, and um, I seen a mate who was supposed to be pacing me, and I says, "I'm, I'm going to go back to the car. I don't feel very well, you know." And um, he said, "Yeah, I'll see you back. There's some free beer over there or something." And he was like, he was loving it, you know what I mean, at the beer tent and everything. So um, I was just walking back to the car, and, and I think I'd poured a load of water on my head, you know, on the run in, yeah. and I was starting to shiver, and. Um, this lady said to me, you all right? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. She went, oh, just come over here a minute. And I didn't know she was taking me to the uh, you know, the tent, yeah. the medical tent. And I was like, I was lying down there for ages. And this guy was saying, yeah, we need to get this guy in an ambulance now. And blah, 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 blah. And I was like thinking, no, mate, I can't go in there. I can't, I'm not going in the ambulance. I'm not going in. No, no. And I was like, and I just, I just like to fall asleep. You know, I really, really like to go to sleep. And in, in the end, I had to say to her, I'm not getting in an ambulance. And um, I had to sign someone to say, you know, he said he wasn't getting in the ambulance. So I, just, I had to, I walked off. I, I eventually, he walked with me and then he got another emergency and he had to go. But once I got back to the car, I was all right. I just wanted some chocolate or yeah. I just wanted some, a drink, you know what I mean? Just to get me um, sugar levels back because I, yeah. I, was, I was really they, suffering. They sound like a can of Coke, don't they? If you feel like yeah, that. flat Coke. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Coke, just any Coke. I've <laughs> heard people say that, haven't we? Yeah, um, people say Coke. Yeah, yeah. I, just need, I, just, I just didn't want to get in the ambulance. I just wanted yeah. to go home, basically. But my missus was like, Never you're not doing another one. But I feel as though I'm ready now to do another one. Well, get a can of Coke at the first <laughs> <laughs> um, What about any bizarre events when you've been photography, uh, carrying out your photography? Other than getting um, showered off a, a truck? <laughs> oh, uh, oh. But bizarre events. I'd say the most bizarre event I ever went to was uh, during lockdown. And I was asked to go to the Manchester, um, the indoor arena, Manchester, no, no Man City's ground. Is it? Yeah. The, the, the indoor, the indoor track there. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was like a, a test event to see if they could um, get back racing. Yeah. And could they do it safely? Uh, we all had to have like a COVID test when we got there, so everyone was clear. Uh, we had to wait in a room to make sure we had, you know, after the 10 or 15 minutes or whatever, and then we went into the arena and everyone had like their own little sheet pen with your name on. All the athletes had their own pen, so they were all separated by two meters, it, 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 you know. And it was it was really good because all the athletes that turned up for that event were top top athletes because obviously they all worked, they've done all this training, haven't they? They've been to all these special places and they just wanted to race. And, and this event was put on especially for that to see if it could do it. And it was a... It was bizarre, really, but you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was a good. It was a good day out. Good to be involved in. Yeah, it was like really, that, like, really nice to me. Basically, it was I think it was um, some of the athletes um, promoters asked me to do it. So yeah. I just went. I went along and I go. Yeah, it was, it was really enjoyable. 
I think we've got a couple of questions from from a listener, Richard Johnson, here, but I think you've already answered one around. He says that he's, he's actually heard your hobbies were more beer and darts until you came to running in your 40s. And he says, was it um, your brother have an influence in your in your taking up run, taking up uh, running? No, because um, John, he, we never, my brother John, um, John Brown, we was we was never really together. We, he he was off. Yeah. I never really saw him. I mean, he, he did so many. He used to just like um, he would give up his job every so often. Every year he would give up his job and he'd go and do some of that he wanted to do. He would go to uh, say Switzerland, uh, France, Italy, and he would he would just ride around on his bike, going to races, competing in races. Well, he'd cycle mountain. Then, yeah, then he'd race. cycle between them. He would, he would go to mountain race because he was a mountain runner. He would go to mountain races, he'd have a win mountain races, he'd get the prize money, he'd go and then he'd use that to go feed his next race. And, and he, he, was, he would be away for six months at a time and then come back. So I never, he never really influenced me on running, but um, I always like, it's always nice when he turns around and says, that's a good sign that, Pete. You know I mean? I, I really appreciate that. I mean, when I first started part running, I said to him, John, you know, I've got 23 minutes. And he just laughed at me. And I said, what's up? He says, come back when you've come back when you've gone sub twenty. Good good confidence boost. <laughs> oh yes, he's always encouraged me, yeah. yeah. And um, your feet back on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, he was the first one who rang when he went sub you know, when I first went sub twenty, like He's I, not I, a coach, is he now? He's a coach yeah, he won't be a very good runner. <laughs> yeah. Well um another geek question as well, this from Richard. Um Nick on Oh, Canon. Canon, every time. Canon I was given, I, I was, I was given a, a, a Nikon to take photographs at a race once, uh, recently, and I was like, they said to me, yeah, we're going to give you this uh, Nikon. I says, I don't know how to work. They, they use all different terminology, you know what I mean? The settings are all, not the, obviously, these, the, the basic concepts of a camera is the same, but all the settings yeah. are, are, are different, and not different, but they, they use a different terminology. And I, I was like, you're gonna have to set it up for me, and I'll just take the photographs, and that's what happened. And, and at, um, so is it yeah. like what you're used to then? Is it more it's, yeah, it's more what you're used to. Yeah, I mean, all Canons like um, I've been used from the, uh, yeah. from the start off. Yeah, the, the, I could, you know, if you give me a Canon, I'd be able to sort it out in five minutes. But give me a Nikon, no. That's <laughs> fun. Well, that's all the questions from me and also from the listeners. So thank you. Pass you over to Callum. Cheers, Sean. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, your running um, oh, rather than um, your phot- ph- photography. I <laughs> can't say it. Um, so firstly, what's your fav- most favourite race for running? Oh, um, I am. A f- I prefer 5K and I've probably got two favourite 5Ks. Uh, my second favourite is the Mid-Cheshire, um, which I did last Friday. And... Um, my favourite is Christleton 5k. That's this weekend. No, it's not oh, this Friday, it it's Friday after. Friday after. Yeah, I think it's the 13th for me. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one. Oh, cool. Because that is, I think the, I think it's slightly faster. I don't know what Dave thinks. Do you think it's I actually fa- think it's faster. I think Christleton is the course to do for a 5k PB. It was my 5k PB yeah. for a long time, for about five years. And um, when I got put the vapour flies on, <laughs> it changed. I haven't done Christleton for a few years. It's been cancelled the last two years, I think, yeah. so be good to get back oh brilliant good luck good luck for that yeah, thank um you. so you've got a pb of 1853 for 5k 
Well, actually... Oh, uh, no, no. <laughs> your yeah, you got your facts wrong there, actually. <laughs> Basically, what's happened is I didn't leave, I haven't left Salford Mets. Well, I, I just didn't, I had a bit of a sabbatical for a year because I didn't renew after lockdown. And none of my results for the last year have gone on power of 10. All right. So, ah. so like, since. So, we've done you a disservice. You have done me a massive disservice. I mean, Dave, since. It um, was Dave this week. Was it? Okay. <laughs> even, no. I've probably since, um, since I've got a pair of vapor flies, I've probably. I've smashed me the half marathon, uh, 10 miles, 5k, and 10k. Brilliant. So, what's your 5k PB? What did you say? 1853? Yeah. 1851. 1851 every second. Every second counts. It does, indeed. So, when you see fast courses like Mid Cheshire and Crystleton, and you're down to hang up your running trainers and pick up the camera, do you feel like you were? Do you feel like? you wish you were racing instead of being a photographer well um like on friday when i was doing mid cheshire i want it's just it, the whole every time i think about doing it i think the, the day leading up to it i'm just thinking do you know what i wish i was taking the photographs because it's so much easier yeah and then when i'm doing the photographs i just wish i was running it because <laughs> i get so stressed out about taking the photographs yeah so it's it's i can't you can't win really i do the first for doing the other option when I'm doing the other option, if you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> so did you race or did you f- take photos on Friday? No, no, I was running. You were running? Yeah, you? I was running. How did you do that? Um, well, 1852. 1852? So I was one right. second off my PB. Oh. So I was a bit disappointed, actually, but I can't be disappointed with that, I suppose. But. No. So you already mentioned about um, your training for Salford Met. So what does a usual training week look like for you? Uh, well, uh, I try to get... A, a, I'm not not the sort of standard you like. I try to get like 60k a week in. So, like Monday, I might give Monday a miss, but I might go to the gym. Um, but I'll only do cardio at the gym. I don't do weights or anything like that. So, I'll do a treadmill, uh, cross trainer, and um, stepping and stuff like that. So, um, and when Tuesday or Wednesday, I like to go out uh, around uh, Monton on, on Loop Line and stuff, and then run there. Uh, Thursday, I like to go out and, with my mates. Um, Get a, get a few uh, get a few miles in before I go to darts. Obviously, that's more important. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a rest. I ever usually have a rest Friday because I want to give um, I like to give it a go on a Saturday morning. Eyeballs out at park run, and then Sunday will be like my long run. Cool. Like twenty k or something. Like we do usually do like an half marathon or a ten miler or something like that. What's your go to park run then? Oh, it's Worsley Woods. Worsley Woods. Oh yeah, brilliant. Um, so, what are your running goals for this year and beyond? So we'll start with Crystleton. Well. Um, I want to get 1840 something. Right. So hopefully, I want to get 1840. I'm not bothered. 49 will like do. Like Johnny me. said, don't don't limit it at the four. You Does he not? You can go quicker than that. I, I, pro- <laughs> uh, I probably. I actually bought a pair of Alpha Flies last week. Actually, and I thought, <laughs> how do I? How do I? You know, get that edge because my Vapor Flies were getting a bit bit worn, and I thought, get a pair of Alpha Flies. Anyway, they were a bit cheaper, weren't they, last week? So I, yeah. I got a pair of Alpha Flies, 161, I think they were. Um, and Mrs. Uh, I wasn't there, the Mrs. found them. Yeah. <laughs> got in trouble. Yeah. Um, but I wore them on the Wednesday, and I thought, for me, they weren't, they're not a, they're not a 5K shoe, are they? I don't think so. I think they're more of an half marathon shoe, at least. Well, me and, me and Sean were messaging about this this week because I was looking at getting a set of Alpha Flies for London. And with them being a bit cheaper, I think him mm. buy him. And Sean said, after his experience um, at Wrexham, it was 
alpha fly all the way and then anything lower a vapor fly is that right yeah that'd be my view anyway yeah i definitely um, agree with that marathon alpha fly uh, and it, you know half marathon everything else would wear vapor fly yeah. you do see people running really quick times at five and ten k in the alpha fly mine but for me personally they're just a bit yeah, bit clump, bit yeah big, they're too know? cushioned, aren't they? Yeah. I think they're too yeah. cushioned. You don't feel the road as much. They fly just feels snappier and quicker. Mm, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a pair of them um, streak fly. Oh, right, I yeah. don't yeah. particularly... I put them on. I've never wore, I've never run it for running. I put them on. Um, I just didn't feel it, to be no. honest with you. But I think they'd be good on the track. I yeah. think they would be a good track shoe. But you must have been quick on the app there then to get them. Because I was. Yeah. I was there. Ready. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> they were a nine o'clock release on Saturday morning when he was at Park Road. Um So we've got a couple of. You you already answered um, a question that I was going to ask about um, pictures on socials. So I'm going to go straight into some listener questions from Mike Race. Oh, um, sure. What a name! It's, it's, a, it's a fantastic what name. A name. <laughs> Mike Race. Um, he's, he's put a few light-hearted questions in. So um, do you prefer darts or running? Bear in mind you're on the local runners podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't. I could live without my darts, but I couldn't live without my running. Yeah. But I do like my darts. Fair enough. Thank you. So, um, does your wife know how many Vaporfly and Alphafly you have, or are you still meeting the delivery company at the end of the street? And does she still think that they're under fifty quid? Uh, she did think they were under 50 quid so she opened the box on uh, last week and read the invoice um, but no she doesn't I don't well no she doesn't know how many vapor flies and flies yeah. I've got I don't think or all the other ones I've got to be honest with you and we've got, I've got that many and they're all brand new in boxes I just I don't know I've got you know, I haven't got a problem to say you've got a collection, don't they? That's yeah. what. So that's what I've got. I've got a collection. Normally we say pass the pod, but maybe not tell your wife about this episode. <laughs> um, so you've been doing some tremendous times of late, and notably at the um, podium 5K. What do you put this down to, besides the shoe, which you always say is giving you the advantage, and you being modest? Uh, well, I think uh, lockdown had a lot to do with it, with the lot extra training. Um, I think... I know it sounds hard to say. I, I gave up being a run director at the, the junior park run because I started. It was an. I'd done it three and a half years. It was an, not an excuse to get out of doing it, but it just seemed as like the right time to stop doing it. We, we all we all decided. The whole team decided that. Right, we've done it for three and a half years. Um, we've done our stint. We'll hand it over to someone else, and we, we used that as that was our not that excuse, but that was. I started. It's gonna. It started afresh after um, when, when it all came back. Um, I'd missed, I'd not done a Sunday long run for so long, or three and a half years. And the, as soon as I started doing these long runs on a Sunday, my times started getting better. Yeah, that, that is straight up that. I noticed it straight away, running with the lads on a Sunday, doing like half marathons, getting, them, getting your legs moving, um, my times just came down. I could just feel. I could. I could feel when I'm training that, that I, I felt stronger, you know. So um, that was that as much as anything is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. On the shoes. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shoes. Yeah, I'll agree with you about the long ones. I've found that doing a lot more of the long ones has helped me quite right. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you like cross country so much, especially the nationals at Nottingham several years ago? And they said this is a joke. Yeah, that is a joke. Um, <laughs> 
I, I covered the, I'd covered the cross country for so many years, and then I decided that one year I was gonna I was gonna run it. I was gonna feel, see what it's like. Uh, I'd never run cross country before, so not since school. Um, I've never really I'd never run any spikes before, so I bought myself a pair of hocker spikes. Um, I just could not get used. To, I could not get used to them. I could I couldn't run in spikes at all. They, they, they absolutely crucified me, and I just did not enjoy it. But I did them all. Well, apart from a couple which I couldn't make. Um, but that one, that one at um, Haywood Hall, the Nationals. That is the only race where I thought this is it. I'm, I'm just going to stop. I'm I'm just going to give up. This is ridiculous. You know what I mean? On the third lap, I. And I, and I remember, I remember, I just started. I've never done it before. I started walking, and I remember the, a guy from Altrincham. I can't remember his name. He's an older guy. You, you might know him, Dave. He's an older guy. Was he yeah. running or watching? No, he's running. He's, he's running. running. He went, "Come on, mate. Come on, you can do this." I think he runs with his missus all the time. He's oh, it's Graham Harrison, is it? That's him. Graham. He knows yeah. everyone. Graham. Graham yeah. He, he said, "Come on, mate. You can do this." And I was like, "Awesome. Yo, come on. All right. Come on, Pete. We can. We can get round. We got round, and um, I finished." And I was, I was just like, this is this is ridiculous. I was, how how on earth do people run in that mud? And they just seem to just they seem to waltz across it, don't they? These you know the good runners like like Dave and all that. I mean, yeah. I mean you just they just do, don't they? They've got they've got this technique, and I I just, just I don't know. Uh, did you did you say we've heard a lot say that good cross country runners make good marathon runners and I've never run cross country <laughs> and I keep thinking should I have a go at it one <laughs> you definitely need to have a go Sean oh you need to have a go yeah. <laughs> to say you don't like it just looks like I agree with you <laughs> just, just, just a little bit muddy for you Sean um, that's all the questions from me oh, and you. Mike so I'll pass you over to Kater hi Kater thank you cheers Callum okay so I just wanted to ask do you photograph anything else or is it just running uh, well, a lot of people ask me, you know, can you do, can you do me wedding? Can you, can you do me wedding? And I was like, well, one mate asked me, and I said, yeah, I'll do it for you. You know, what, what can go wrong? Yeah. You know, and um, I was, it got nearer and nearer to this wedding, and I was thinking, oh no, I really need to, and you really, because it, it's a different, it's a yeah. different kettle of fish, a wedding. Mm-hmm. To, to, in sports photography. You stand there and it comes to you. That's what I like about the yeah. running. It, it happens. They come to you. With things like a wedding, you've got to, re- got to arrange everybody. You've got to go... I was running around after bridesmaids saying, come on, we need you now. We need the, the, the best man. We need you now. And kids, it's like herding cats, isn't it? Yeah. So I just thought, oh, no, it wasn't for me, wedding photography. It was, it was an hard day. It was an hard day, you know what I mean? And so um, stick to, so I'm stick to, I'm going to stick to standing yeah. around in a freezing cold field. Yeah, That's the one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there an event or athlete that would be a dream to capture and why? Let me check my notes. I wrote <laughs> um, a dream to capture. Just anyone that stands out in the running world that you would really like to capture. Yeah, I mean, if I had a time machine mm-hmm. and I could go back, yeah. and I, I would really like to have been at the, um, the Summer Olympics in 2012 when that, that, was it the Magic Sunday or Magic Saturday or something Saturday, like that? Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. My wedding day, that. Was it? Oh. All right. Did you get to see it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would have loved to have been there. Uh, it looked, you know, a fantastic night. Um, yeah. So yeah, 
I mean, it's it's some everyone remembers, don't they, where they were when that happened? I think, and um, well, you always get married, won't you? So you remember straight away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, and this was something that I read on social media, and I'm not sure how relevant it is to you because you've already mentioned you don't generally charge for photos. But I did read that professional photographers, photographers, sorry, who take pictures of runners crossing the finishing line, find marathoners make much better customers than those running shorter distances purchasing two to three times more photos so is that true and why do you think this might be uh, well I mean when you went I felt I've, I the only time I ever I personally have ever bought photographs is when I did my marathon yeah. and I thought well if I'm going to do one marathon I want to have some photographs yeah. you know and I think I paid about 25 quid before yeah. beforehand and because it, it said it was going to be dear afterwards so I thought well I'll, I'll shell out yeah. for it um, had the photographs got them back they weren't that great to be honest with you but, <laughs> but you, you still buy really, them anyway you bought yeah. them, you've already bought them haven't you yeah. so um, yeah I mean I think people who run marathons they want something yeah. they, they want something to show for it don't they yeah. and, and I think uh, you know a lot of people that's what they, as soon as you finish the race they want photographs yeah. but they wouldn't like that you know yeah. what I mean and it, it's, it's difficult to do it's difficult to, to I mean they are out there aren't they I mean yeah. when I, I when I did the marathon this year for a company my phone the camera was connected to a phone the phone was sending them straight to the website yeah. as I took it so yeah. people could buy it instantaneously not that while they were running but obviously it's interesting they were there it, though, yeah. I, I, it was unbelievable the setup they had yeah is incredible yeah, yeah I think they're the only photos I've bought are a marathon to be honest I mean have you, have you ever ever you ever, ever bought a photograph bought I, photographs? I do get them all the time actually do yeah. of yeah. all races not of all races, and particularly not those ones where gravity is against you, just as your foot striking the floor oh, and your face is actually Tell me about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if I get, like, obviously Wrexham at weekend was a good race, so they, I'll, I'll yeah, get them for that. Them for that yeah. Yeah. I think they were free, actually. No, they say they're, they're probably free, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think they're part of your entry. But, yeah, I do, I do always get them. There's a good one there. Mm. They're good memories, aren't they, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I think underneath on that social media post, a lot of people saying because the marathon's life-changing. Mm-hmm. Compared to like a, a shorter yeah. distance, so I think. Yeah, I mean, I I, I keep I keep scrapbooks of all my races. Um, yeah. I always put I always keep me my, um, my number tag. I stick it in the scrapbook. I write on the back of it as soon as I've finished how I felt, yeah. what time I got, what the conditions are like. Yeah. Um, would I do the race again? All that sort of thing. Yeah. So I always try and find a photograph online, whether it's free or whatever. Yeah. I'll stick it next to the 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 the, 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 the bib number. And yeah. just keep a record, yeah. and you know it's nice to look back. Yeah, definitely. So. Okay, and a really important question, and uh, one that might be of interest to, to listeners. So, any tips for those of us who take the worst race photos? So you might have seen no. recently. I take some really bad. Do you? Yeah, okay. Dave. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. What, you, what, while you're running, are you taking? While I'm running, I look horrendous. Yeah. So, what tips can you give us to? I've seen my photographs are terrible. <laughs> well, yours are, yours my, are just good. As, yeah, but that's only four. I sent you four. They're probably the four best ones I've ever had. You know what I mean? So, so who makes the best picture? What is it about the runner that makes the best picture? The what best person I've ever took. The best person. I don't think I've had, ever had a bad photograph of him is Mark Scott. The guy yeah. doesn't breathe. I don't think he breathes as he's running around. Yeah. Every single photograph of him, he looks composed. His, his mouth is not. Really? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's just. I mean, I've got photographs on my iPad, and I'll show you later. Yeah. But each, every single one of them is—he just looks the business. Is he? Well, he is the business, but because yeah. he look natural. I think that's my thing. When I see a photographer do this silly like. Well, yeah, and, and you get a lot of people. Yeah. They see you, and they do—they either do 
like an Irish jig yeah. and you jump up in the air and nearly break their ankles coming down yeah. or you know do something daft and yeah you're better off you're better off when you're taking a photograph to not be out of the way so they look natural yeah and they don't know they've even gone past her I think they, 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 they think take better photographs to try and be more natural but it is it is when the, when the foot hits the floor then it, the face comes down as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the deal breaker shot <laughs> <laughs> So when you're photographing an event, do you do your homework first and look who might be on the start line so you've got an idea of who you might want to look out for or do you just go into it blind? I do have an idea who's going to be there. I mean, if I knew like certain athletes are going to be there, it's going to be better exposure, I will um, go to them particular races. Yeah. I mean, uh, you always get like uh, a good one that you always tap athletes is the... Um, one at the end of the year at uh, Ribble Valley, things like that. Yeah. You know, rem races, yeah. you always get the top ones. So I'm, I'm, I might go there get, just to get a bit of exposure. But, but you see, you, you can't you can't negate for what's going to happen um, in a race. Um, you can do all the preparation in the world for it. You can, um, you know, right, I'm going to stand where I'm going to stand, blah, blah, blah. But then... I've had many a time where I've been waiting from waiting for them mm, to come yeah. and just as they turn up someone will come over and talk to you <laughs> or someone will come riding past on the yeah. bike or I mean one guy start, I mean and then there's that guy with the that does the, the retin air on his bike and, he, and he's in front of everybody and you think I've stood here I've just travelled 80 miles <laughs> there and back I've waited all this time and then I'm, well, as the main group's coming past me there's a guy stood in front of me on his bike or the lead cars in the way yeah and you just there's nothing you can do about it you just got to i mean i, I had one race where you well you learn by your mistakes don't you and and i was like thinking this is a good spot this is a good spot and i think oh, oh they're coming in five minutes or, oh, maybe it's better up the road so i run you know you run up the road yeah. and you think right here's a better spot but then you've got to check your equipment i didn't check my equipment did i and, and as they're coming towards me all right here we go they're coming and as i did it i pressed the shutter and nothing happened I was like, oh, what's that? What's wrong? And I'm like, thinking, what, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? You know? And they'd already gone past me by this time. And it's when I was running that I'd, I'd messed all my settings up. Aww. And I was like, I was absolutely gutted, you know? Like, for all that time and all that effort, and you, you just can't negate for it, yeah. you know what I mean? But you go to some races, like, you think, oh, this is going to be a mundane race. This yeah. is just going to be blah, blah, blah. And then somebody goes and breaks the world record yeah. in a pair of new shoes that no one's ever heard <laughs> of. And you think, you can't, you know what I mean? It's like running itself. I, I was there, I was there like, and Dave was there, Dave yeah. was commentating on, on his running, running live, wasn't yeah. you? Was this the Beth Potter race? Yeah, the Beth yeah. Potter race. Incredible. And, yeah. and like, um, I, I, I know it was, I think it was the B race she was in. Yeah. I think your kid was in it, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Were, like Ben, Ben, uh, Ben. And Riddell. Ben Riddell, yeah. they yeah. were all in it. Yeah. And, they, and she was like tucked in and I didn't see her. I, obviously, I took photographs of her. I didn't see her yeah. in the race, but. And then when she went over the line and like, and uh, Dave was like, yeah, Beth Potter, 1441, mm-hmm. Ben Riddell, oh, I can't remember what, 1430 something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, and someone said, uh, is, that a, is, that a, is that a good time? Is that a record? And someone, didn't someone say it's a European record or something like that? And someone, someone said it might even be a world record. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was like, yeah. you couldn't be like, and I thought to myself, I was driving back in the car, I thought, apart from Paul Bannister being on the outside <laughs> of the track, I was yeah. the only one in the inside yeah. of the track, and because it was COVID secure at the time, yeah. there was no one else there. So I thought, well, you know, I've got a bit of exclusivity. It just mm. took a, a world record, Absolutely. you know. What I mean, I thought, yeah. oh, what, mm, maybe, maybe I should um, not post them out straight away. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and then I, I, Sunday morning after after Saturday night, I got back and I, I thought, 
Well, I suppose I better put them out because otherwise, no, so I did a quick post on Instagram with all oh, about 10 photographs of Beth yeah. Potter, and that was it. All right, yeah. I'm going through Sunday run now, I'm off well, you know, come back. <laughs> and the missus says, Oh, some some farmer's been ringing you. Like, fu- away. <laughs> a funny number. I says, Oh, it'd be one of them dodgy numbers, like, you know, that you get. And I thought, mm. Anyway, next thing you know, message from some French guy or something saying about these photographs, could he use them? It was Azix, and said, Can we use these photographs for their own? Right. From like um, yeah. uh, marketing, because she just they were they were brand new, weren't they? Them yeah. shoes, them yeah. um, shoes they still can't get hold of. I had for, the BBC them. asking them if they could use the running live footage. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was unbelievable, wasn't it? The, the amount Surreal. of um, yeah, exposure that they got yeah. off that, um, and uh, so he asked me, "What did I want for this these photographs?" And I was like. What do I say to him? What do I say? How much do I ask for this photograph? A pair of new vapor flies. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I didn't ask for a pair of new vapor flies. Actually, I said to him, "Can I have a pair of them Beth Potter shoes?" And he just went back, "Yeah, straight, no problem." Yeah, yeah no problem. All like, oh, right, okay. And then it went on for about three or four weeks, and I hadn't got him. And I thought, oh, he's just forgot about me. You know what I mean? And I messaged him. You don't forget about me, have you? You know. Anyway, true to his word, about a month later, he turned up. And they went in the cupboard. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> you not tried them? No. Right. I'm not racing them. No. They're brand new. What are those? Are those the Asics Meta? The Asics, Asics Meta Speed Sky, yeah. yeah. They do feel really nice. Do you know what they feel yeah. like? A Vaporfly. Well, yeah. Very I think, similar. I think and Ayliss McAulgan ran um, yeah, the second fastest yeah. time ever by a British woman this morning. Just missed Radcliffe's British record by three yeah. seconds. So. Oh, was it this morning? This morning. Oh, yeah. she read, didn't she run last week, though, in that? She For ran, the sec- yeah. That was a... The Meta Sky too, wasn't it? That they all yeah. ran them green, them new green ones, didn't yeah. they? She got like 14, 14, yeah. 14, 14, 14, 14. Was it something like that? Yeah. So a lot of people are saying they are the closest contender to the the Nikes. So uh, mm. worth, they feel they feel they do feel really nice. Might worth giving them a, sh- a, a try. But you can't get older, can you? Very Every time I've looked, I've been looked at them, they like they've got like size fours. That's <laughs> it, you know, unless you have got really small feet on them, massive feet, you, can get a you just need to keep checking the Asics website. <laughs> Okay, so finally, um, a listener question, or a couple of listener questions. So it's Simon Hope. Oh, a friend of mine, yeah. So he says, question for Pete, um, refers to you as king of the loop line. Well, yeah, I do like running on the loop line. I'm oh, probably there every day, to? yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, so he says, what's your favourite type of race to cover? Is it, um, is it cross-country? It says your cross-country photos always look great. Oh, thank you, Simon. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine, Simon. Um, uh, yeah, I mean... I, I don't mind. I do like cross country. I do any any type of running race where people see. It's all about capturing emotion. Yeah. It's all that, for me. You can go. You can go anywhere. I mean, you don't really get it at cross country. You just get people coming, falling over the line. But if you go to like a track meeting, say you go to Trafford, you got these guys who have been training all summer, all, all winter, say, been away and all this like, like, and then they come back and they put all that into all that training, months of training, into eight hundred meters or fifteen hundred meters, and when they finish. Yeah, they're absolutely spent. Yeah, and it's capturing, capturing that emotion, that emotion yeah. or whether it's good, whether it's bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think that's what I try to do because yeah. the best one photographs you'll get are right at the end yeah. when they're all absolutely spent. Yeah, and you know what I mean. I, I really that that's what they all they all want really, yeah. as well as the ones when they're running around really quickly. <laughs> absolutely. And finally, Simon asks, do you have an event that you'd love to be invited to cover? I think I asked you that previously. You said maybe one in the in the past you would have liked to, but mm. well, I'll tell you what. I've, I've got to get my old time machine out again, and what I would like mm. to have loved to have covered would probably be my brother, uh, because yeah. I never really watched him. Um, I never. I went to watch him once. It was at Bogger Old Clough, and 
I, he says, oh, I'm running by the old clough. I said, oh, okay, I'll come down and watch you sort of thing. Um, and I came down and, and I saw him stood there and he was just stood there. I said, oh, when's your race? He went, that's my race there going past. And what you stood here for? Oh, I just pulled out. I was only that it. I've come all this way. <laughs> and he just, he, because with John, he, he, said, he said to me, if I, if I wasn't winning after the first uh, mile, right. he thought, oh, yeah. and he, he wouldn't pull out. He, he did, oh, a lot of good runners pull out, don't they? <laughs> you see, uh, what's he called? If they're not winning, like in 100 metres, training yeah. injury, don't they, sort of thing, you know, all this lot. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Fab. yeah, I'd love to go back and um, photograph John in, probably my brother yeah. John in the, in the mountains when he was running, his mm. top, when he was at his best. Brilliant. So that's all um, listener questions now. Simon says, uh, keep up the good work. Oh, thank you, Sam. So great. Thank you. Right. That's all, all for us. So thanks, Pete. Nice to meet you. Can I just say something, by the way? Of course you can. I just, I just want to say thanks to you four and to Gav as well for, for basically, you basically, when this podcast came out, I don't know if you realise that, a lot of people have said to me on the road, oh, have you listened to that podcast? And I said, yeah, I've actually, you know what I mean? And you filled a gap for me because my marathon finished, marathon talk finished. I had a bit of a void in my life, you know, and, and this is, um, it's brilliant because you're all, you're all so, you can, you can relate to you. You know what I mean? You're all relatable runners. Like you've had some long, on the guests as well, you know, apart from like uh, Johnny Miller and maybe <laughs> Nigel Martin and stuff, you know what I mean? They're really, really good runners. But a lot of the guests are all relatable. You can, you can understand, you, they, you, I feel they're, when they tell me about, when they talk about things, I say, That's, I'm not the only one then, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's so, it's great. What, keep up the great work. Well oh, done. Thanks for coming on, Pete. That's really nice feedback as oh, well. No, so thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, nice one. And thanks for doing what you're doing. I think just one comment on your pictures as well. What I always see is the ones where they're not running. You know, they're either just warming up or they've just finished. Those ones where you just catch them and they're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. I always think they're quite, quite um, sort of dramatic pictures as well. They look good. Thank you. So yeah, nice one and thanks for joining us and thanks for that feedback. We always like good feedback. Thanks, yeah, yeah. Cheers, guys. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Pete. It's been a great insight into your own running and the <laughs> photography. So uh, yeah, keep up the good work on both fronts and, and thanks for that feedback as well. Oh, really, me- really means a lot to all of us. Thank you. Cheers, Thank you to Bucket Zone for sponsoring this episode of the Local Runners Podcast. Don't forget, if you're an event organiser and would like to discover the benefits of listing your next race for entry, why not visit bucketzone.com to find out more or give them a call and mention the Local Runners podcast. Listing is absolutely free and puts your race within the reach of over 200,000 registered UK athletes. To find your next race or to find out more about listing your event for entry, visit bucketzone.com. Bucketzone.com List, search and enter events online. That's it for this episode. Our next episode will be our women's special with Katie and a panel of previous female guests. Katie and the team will also be joined by our special guest, the women's episode sponsor, Leah of V Gymwear. V Gymwear offers a range of fitness clothing. As well as running her own gymwear company, Leah is a group exercise instructor and, spe- and specialises in biomechanics taking a holistic approach and encouraging women to see the body where everything is connected from hormones to function of movement. The team will be discussing all things that affect or impact on women who run, from the menstrual cycle to menopause, pelvic health to breast health, harassment and safety when running, pressure to walk a certain way as a female runner, as well as equality for women in running, and everything in between. Nothing is out of bounds, so if you have a question or a comment, 
and any of the above, or anything else on the subject of women and running, they get in touch in the usual ways, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or email. And remember, failure is success in progress. Good night.